Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and we have made it, everyone. Championship week, week 17. Let's go get that title. I've been watching Rocky Rocky workout montages all week, setting the mood right, getting hyped, because this is it. Everything we've worked for last 17 plus weeks, you know, it's a year-round business as well, comes down to this week. So let's figure out what the hell we're going to do to go get that championship gold. As always, I am joined by none other than PFF's own Dwayne The Rock. McFarland, Dwayne, we made it, man. Week 17, how are you feeling? Man, I feel good. Like, uh, you know, got championship games coming up. I was hoping to win even more money this year, Ian, but it's okay. Like, it's still fantasy football, so I'm having a blast. Amen to that. And with that, we'll get started. No Thursday Night Football this week. That's why we took our time a little bit more getting this episode out to you. And now you have extra days to just re-listen to it. I'm sure that's just a regular thing. But anyway, Dolphins at Titans kicking off the slate. Titans three and a half point favorites. Game total is at 41. As we saw, Monday Night Football, there's really one person that matters in this Dolphins offense these days. And that is none other than Jalen Waddle. Eight full starts with Tua this year. He's peeled off PPR wide receiver 26, wide receiver 4, 16, one dub with 60, and most recently, 11, 1, 15, and 8 finishes. So truly, we've seen him, you know, all year kind of have enough volume to be this wide receiver two when Jacoby was under center, more of a wide receiver three. But more and more, man, like we're just seeing the absurd amount of volume going his way. He's making the most out of it, and we've been getting more and more wide receiver one finishes. You know, you're firing him up. You're starting him, particularly in any format that's full PPR. But Dwayne, I'm really excited about the upside for 2022. This was a great note from uh, Kevin Cole and something that you've brought up like all year too and we've looked at kind of like okay how much is Waddle great and how much is he the only option in an offense that wants to feed him high percentage low dot targets so the question is like does he have that explosive capability that again we've seen at Alabama we know this dude can fly just not necessarily have seen it a ton this year and again great stat from Kevin Cole PFF's own projection maestro this year Jalen Waddle 9.8 yards per reception 5.5 air yards per reception Rookie year Tyreek Hill, 9.8 yards per reception, just 5.1 air yards per reception. Second year Tyreek Hill, 15.7 yards per catch, 9.9 air yards per reception. No, that was not when Patrick Mahomes came in. That was still with Alex Smith both times. Just goes to show you that just because this is what Waddle is his year one doesn't mean he doesn't have a higher ceiling uh, in, in the future. So maybe we get a little bit of that this week. He is, of course, facing the league's worst defense in terms of most explosive pass plays allowed to slot receivers. So Jalen Waddle, you know, I'm going to give you hard press to name 15 or so wide receivers you want to start over him this week. And that is going to about do it. We got a three headed, you know, committee from hell right now with Philip Lindsay, Duke Johnson and Miles Gaskin all getting involved. You know, Devontae Parker, infamous goose egg, had four catches every single game this year until last week wasn't even targeted. He did run 29 routes on 33 dropbacks. I mean, Waddle was at 32. So it's not like he got taken over on the depth chart or anything. Just realized, you know, in this spot, Titans have been much better against outside receivers in the slot. I think Parker is more of just a boomer bust wide receiver four at this point. And Mike Jasicki hasn't found the end zone or surpassed 60 yards since week seven. Not saying that can't change, but you know, he's just in that mix of borderline tight end ones that we would rather have a better option. Now, Dwayne, I had one guy to talk about Jalen Waddle. You got, you have one guy to talk about AJ freaking Brown <laughs> wide receiver one season is back. Let's boogie. 
Yeah, man, 53% of the targets last week. How about that? So <clears throat> out there for 86% of the routes, 80% of the air yards, 100% of the end zone targets, 69% of the third and fourth down <laughs> targets. Like it was essentially every time uh, Ryan Tannehill dropped back the pass, he was looking for one person only, and that was A.J. Brown. Uh, we've got a lot of different Titans that are going to be, you know, we'll see what's going to happen with the new COVID protocols. Ian. like for all I know, like all these players will be back. The, the thing I'm worried about with this stuff um, is like, do we get Tyreek games, right? Where they're back, but they're obviously like, you know. It's happened several times too. Like, again, just because it's not hop- hospitalizing a dude doesn't mean they're not going to be like at less than 100%. I know. That's kind of, so that's kind of concerning. So like any guys that are like borderline for me this week, like startable. And if they've had COVID, like, and they're just now coming back, like I'm bumping them down Tie like, versus yep. guys that haven't had COVID. So if you got a tier of like 10 guys, four of them have had COVID, six of them haven't, like the four that have had it, they're going to the bottom just because, and some of them will be fine. Some of them will be at a hundred percent, but then there are others that we see come out at 50%. Amari Cooper couldn't even hardly play. Madison's you know, role was a little bit down. I know the game script was funky, but you know, yeah, this has happened all over the place. Yeah, so having said all that, with all the other things that are going on with, you know, the Titans, as long as A.J. Brown, you know, can avoid all that, like he's in he's in line to have another funnel day. I've got him inside my top 12. It's not the easiest matchup. The Dolphins have been a lot better, like over the last six, seven weeks, really with their cornerbacks being healthy. They play a ton of man coverage, play the most man coverage in the league, though. So anytime you get A.J. Brown matched up and you know he's going to get these single man coverage looks, which he's really good at, he's good at beating press coverage. Um, really great off play action on the in breaking routes, especially whenever they don't, if, uh, you know, the, if they don't have kind of like that lurk underneath linebacker to immediately take it away. Like, and they use a lot of play action to pull that defender down. Like the, there's going to be some good spots for AJ Brown to come through. Um, just realize it, you know, he'll be in my top 12, but it's almost kind of a boom bust game just because of the defense that he's playing against. But wide receiver cornerback matchup overall, you know, it still shows us that we still grade it out as a 90. I don't think we're really giving Miami yet um, credit for being full strength. Um, wide receiver strength of schedule that was a 4.4 out of 10 so it's just below average but again AJ Brown funnel situation so he's a wide receiver one pretty much in every format this week Ryan Tannehill we talked about a little bit I've got him at QB 18 I thought I might have him a little bit higher it's just um, you know it's a tough week whenever you've got um, you know ahead of him I've got Trey Lance Taysom Hill Justin Fields Kirk Cousins Russell Wilson Tua and then behind him I've got Derek Carr and Mac Jones so that's about the range you know that I've got um Ryan Tannehill in. And then as far as the running game goes, man, we thought we kind of had it solved. Um, And Deonta Foreman had taken over 50% of the carries um, two out of four weeks. Well, now if you look at, or two out of three weeks, now if you look at it, two out of three weeks, he's only had 40%. You know, so that's kind of how some of this utilization stuff goes. And why with some teams, like I'm I'm just less bold about like putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is what it's going to be. And this has been one of those backfields. It's just been tough, been tough to get our arms around. And the bottom line is they want three players involved, which is not good. So for me, I do think Foreman is still the back is the most likely to score the most fantasy points. Doesn't mean that he's gonna. I think he's the one that's the most likely. Um, But again, like if you look at the snaps last weekend, 34%, 42%, 21% across Foreman, McNichols, and Hilliard. So McNichols is the passing down back. Foreman's the early down back. Hilliard is really spelling both of them occasionally, right? He seems to be the one that has the most juice as far as big plays. It's really Hilliard. But I don't think you really want to use any of these guys. I have Foreman this week at RB34. And tight ends, everything else is a mess. There's nothing else to talk about. Yeah, uh, whenever you're starting running back, can't even get a snap rate, you know, of half of the offensive snaps, probably yeah, a good idea yeah. to maybe, you know, play the other guy if you have a Give close start sit decision. 
Falcons at the Bills. Buffalo, 14 and a half point home favorites. Game total, 44 and a half. Did some hardcore weather research, you know, typing in Buffalo weather on Google and seeing kind of what it looked like around kickoff. Could be some snow and wind in the forecast in this one. So if you're into player props, things like that, might be a good time to bet the under on those before everyone, you know, starts to look on Sunday morning. Always cracks me up when, you know, it's become snow game week like Sunday morning because no one really gives a shit until then. So until just it's there. Well, exactly. to be fair, it does change a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I know. know. I get it. I get it. But it's <laughs> but I mean, the good thing is no wind like the winds like are max like 10 miles an hour northwest. Um, so like the, the, the worst part is when you see like the 20 plus mile an hour winds. That's like when I really get worried. Otherwise I don't, I just honestly, I don't sweat it too much. And it'll be like 20 mile power winds with gusts up to 35 and you're like, good yeah. God, get me out of here. We're about to see like Mike Vick Powerade commercial throwing balls out of the stadium. I don't know that we'll ever see one top what we saw the, for Buffalo in England <laughs> a few was... weeks ago. Like, man, like, I mean, the, the goalposts were about to blow over on that. The, the pregame videos were just absolutely absurd. Oh yeah. Everybody was freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like just storming Twitter. Yeah, it was Back awesome. to the topic at hand. Only a few fancy viable guys in the Atlanta offense these days. And unfortunately, our king, Court Daryl Patterson, hasn't been treated like a king lately. Since he returned from injury in week 12, total offensive snaps. Patterson's at 156. Mike Davis at 152. Yes, CPAT is still the undisputed early down back. 62 carries to Davis is 33. But damn it, people, Mike Davis has actually out-targeted Cordero Patterson since week 12, 16 to 15. So, no, this usage doesn't make Mike Davis a fancy relevant guy that we care about, but it does move Cordero Patterson far closer to that RB2 borderline over at the RB24 spot as opposed to the top 12 back that we've been leaning on him as a lot of the year. And honestly, like this matchup is just one that, again, if you have guys in these horrendous offenses, just try to avoid them if possible. This week, only five offenses are applied for 16, implied for 16 or fewer points. The Texans, the Panthers, the Giants, the Falcons at just 15 than the lowly Jaguars going into Foxborough. So if you have a start-sit decision involving a Falcon and it's close, pick the other guy. So Patterson, he's still been the RB11 in the stretch, and I include some buys and stuff, but worst case, still an RB2 more weeks than not, really living on touchdowns, though. So not saying it can't happen. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, Damon Harris twice have had 100-plus yards in a score against this defense. I just really don't trust Matt Ryan and the Falcons to be doing this when last week we got eight freaking touches for Patterson. So uh, if it was an injury issue, like kind of we were thinking before, that'd be one thing. But like Dwayne, they put him back out there on kick returns last week and they still can't feature him more in the offense. So it's frustrating. And I'm not the only one that's frustrated people from Stefan Diggs today, who I think we would all agree is a pretty damn good football player, knows what he's talking about on the subject. He said that Cordero Patterson is the most talented player he has ever seen with the ball in his hands besides Adrian Peterson, quote unquote, generational talent. Not me. I did not say that. You guys know I'm a little biased. That's from Stefan Diggs. I mean, you are Diggs. a generational talent, but a, a different generational talent, <laughs> not you. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification there, Dwayne. So CPAT, <laughs> definitely more of a low-end RB2 this week. You know, I know we've probably been forcing him to lineups more weeks than not uh, throughout the whole season, but don't be afraid to just go away from it because as, you know, as manageable as teams have managed to run the ball against the Bills, like it's been good offenses, the Patriots, you know, uh, the Colts, It'll the still Titans. be hard to get away from Patterson though. Like you're, you're, you're going to struggle to get him outside your, I know you probably haven't done your ranks yet, but like, it's like, it's a, you're going to have to push really hard to get him outside your top 24. 
I, I'm not saying RB3. I would never say RB3. That okay. would be an insult. I just wanted to, I wanted to get that on the record for you that you weren't saying RB3. Definitely not. You might be saying borderline RB2. Wait, no, sorry. You're uh, low-end <laughs> RB2. That's your, your, your go-to. Right now, our PFF projections, again, Kevin Cole does a great job updating these throughout the week. They have CPAT as the RB17. Somewhere between 17 to 23 sounds about right. Just realize not quite the same monster we were dealing with early in the year. In the passing game, I know Russell Gage hurt us last week, but people, he's still a top 14 wide receiver in three of the past five weeks. Now, this is the best defense in PPR points per game allowed to wide receivers. And yeah, I don't really trust his passing game. Kyle Pitts has, this year, 949 receiving yards in a touchdown it's going to be like the worst thousand yard receiving uh, year ever i'm sure he's gonna have a bright future um and you know what he has actually had a much better recent past tight end nine tight end 10 and tight end four finishes over the last three weeks again keep an eye on the weather and hope maybe you guys are like ian of course i'm starting kyle pitts over these guys so hopefully you do think i sound stupid but just make sure you know the tyler higbees the gerald everest the mike jasicki's the hunter henry's of the world absolutely start kyle pitts over those guys we can have conversations maybe about dawson knox dallas goddard kind of those you know dalton schultz type guys i still would probably lean uh pitts over that group um but that's i think the more of the conversation not the tight end one borderline or maybe pitts was at a certain point so gage and pitts because of the matchup you know again keep an eye on that weather see if the winds pick up i'm not you know firing up as high as maybe we have in past weeks but they are still volume hogs in an offense and that's got to mean something so Dwayne, real quick where do you have pitts because again i I think it's a pretty clear top tight end five. Tight end five. Okay. I was going to say, because the, I mean, the top, the top my, four so, are clear. The top four are so clear. I can see five. Yeah. He's in He's in tier two. So tier two has Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, Dalton Schultz, Dawson Knox. Yeah. I bought Gasicki out of that tier. Pat Fryermuth is just below that tier. Um, you know, but you got Gronk, Kittle, Andrews, Kelsey above. Okay. I like it. I like it. Well done, my friend. And you're right. I haven't done I'm here for you, yet. Ian. I'm, I'm going to get those. You can just copy paste those over into your ranks. Going to get those ranks <laughs> done Thursday morning. And you can find them always at pff.com. And don't be afraid to use code Elite Up for 50% off. And you can get my ranks, Dwayne's ranks, Nathan Yonke, the real King's ranks, and the whole PFF crew. Locked article content and much more. What an organic freaking story spin by your boy now Dwayne with the bills Josh Allen looking to repeat as the overall QB one first guy to accomplish that potentially since Dante Culpepper in 2003-2004 what are you making of this passing game now that um, you know I don't want to say unfortunately but now that we have the whole crew back together Cole Beasley Gabriel Davis activated off the COVID list yeah I mean it's a situation where being favored by 14 and a half (laughs) you know, isn't always great for a passing game. Um, But when you look at the Bills and the way they run their offense, they're really pass first no matter what the game script is. So it's going to be okay for Allen, and he's involved in the rushing game. So I've got him as QB3 on the week. Um, Implied points of 29.5. Quarterback strength of schedule is 6.2 out of 10 against the Falcons. Offensive line pass blocking advantage is a 34, which is the second best on the slate. So you've got basically a top 10 QB SOS. You've got a top three or top two um, offensive line pass blocking advantage and, and a quarterback with all of his weapons back 
uh, and an offense that throws all the time. So, like, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to rank him in the top three no matter what. If you want to put him at one, you can. You want to put him at two, you can. You want to put him at three, you can. I, I'm, I'm good with any one of those. He's in the top tier of quarterbacks this week. Um, the guy that I'm really excited about, though, this week is Devin Singletary. So, if, and we've talked about him a couple times already, but snaps of 81%, 93%, and 68% over the last three games. Last week, we saw Zach Moss active, which was really kind of like for you and me, the last hurdle for Singletary is see what happens happens when Zach Moss is active. Moss only saw 33% of the snaps, 11% of the rushing attempts. Um, he did handle some of the short down and distance, so 38% of that. And, of course, Josh Allen's always a threat to handle some of that as well. But really, Josh Allen, man, he has not been handling all those carries down inside the five this year like what we've seen you know, in the past for him, he's only 23% of them, you know, on the season, you know, we saw last year, I think that number was like closer to 45%, something like that. So they're letting these backs, you know, run the ball when they're running. They like to throw a lot once they're inside the five and inside the 10 yard line. Um, so with Singletary, now that it's funneled like that much in, like I, I feel good about him. I've got him as my running back 12 this week. Um, if, I mean, which I don't think is crazy. I mean, the last three games, he's been 14, seven and 10. So before people that are listening, like, you know, grab the emergency brake and like, you know, swerve across, you know, highway lanes, you know, just to leave a bad weekend. review. <laughs> yeah. Um, like it's, it's like, look, he's already been doing this. And so now that we've seen his utilization is going to hold, even when Zach Moss is back, I think he's just got to kind of embrace it. Embrace it. I mean, look, 14 and a half point favorites. Yes, the Bills run more than they pass. I mean, sorry. Yeah, they pass more than they run in all game scripts. But like, this is a huge favorite. And, and so there's going to be opportunity. Plus, if the weather turns into being a little bit of a factor, like what you were talking about, Ian, we could see a little bit more run for Singletary. But one of the more encouraging things is like he's been involved, you know, in the in the passing game. Like his targets are up to nine percent now. But in the last three weeks, he's had a 13 percent and a 15 percent target share uh, two out of the three weeks. So I like what we're seeing from Devin Singletary in the top 12 this week. Running back strength of schedule is an 8.3 out of 10, which is going to be top five on the slate. 26.1 points allowed per game by Atlanta to opposing running backs. And Atlanta, like you said it, they suck. They trail all the time. Like It always cracks you up when I just say a team sucks. Uh, but, I mean, it's just true. It's just We're just talking the truth here. There's no hate. We love everyone here. All but, truth uh, here. All truth. Yeah. 27.2 rushing attempts allowed per game over the last six by Atlanta in non-overtime play, which is the 10th most in the league. Yes, there are some teams that are worse. But think, it's 27 rushing attempts per game. And the, and the reason why is because Atlanta trails all the damn time. So, all those things working in favor for Devin Singletary. As far as the passing game goes you guys know about Stefan Diggs nothing to really talk about there he's going to be inside your top 10 um, the questions really come in we did have Cole Beasley activated today uh, Gabriel Davis is coming back um, and so now it's a matter of okay we don't know for sure what they're going to do um, my guess Ian is that really Cole Beasley we saw Emmanuel Sanders last week work outside he played most of the routes he is questionable for this week I expect him to play though he battled through the knee injury last week the thing is um, if Beasley is battling, you know, a COVID situation, could that, you know, could that affect his game? You know, he's not vaccinated. So, but there's enough of a question that like, we can't use Isaiah McKenzie, like Cole Beasley needs yeah. to be out of the game before you can start Isaiah McKenzie. I've got a ton of questions around that. Um, Beasley, I'll have towards probably wide. Re- I'm going to have him outside my top 36 because of the COVID stuff. But I mean, he'll be a wide receiver four is the way I'm looking at Cole Beasley. Gabriel Davis is really the same. I hate to say this, like, cause I think Davis has done enough to earn the starting role. I think we all believe that. 
Um, but it doesn't matter what we think. All that matters is what does the Bills coaching staff think. And my guess is that it's either going to be Emmanuel Sanders leading the way outside or a rotation between those two guys. Remember, Gabriel Davis, until Emmanuel Sanders got hurt, despite having, you know, showing up in the box score a couple times before he got his start because of touchdowns, like he was really only out there in 10 personnel. And then he'd rotate in for about he'd rotate in for about ten to fifteen percent of Emmanuel Sanders' work. So my guess is it's some sort of rotation between him and Sanders. Could it be Davis on top of that rotation, like getting 70-80% of the routes? Certainly could. Like the guy's talented enough. I just don't know. So I will have Gabriel Davis more around like wide receiver 50, 55, somewhere in there this weekend. He's in my tier six. Um uh, tight ends, good matchup. Um, for Dawson Knox, it's an 8.7 out of 10 on the tight end strength schedule. So that's going to be in the top five. Tight end matchup is a 29. That's going to be in the top six. Um, so I do like Dawson Knox this week. I've got him inside my top 10. He's in the tier two. Um, you've got Atlanta giving up 12.1 points to opposing tight ends this season. Yeah, man, the whole Cole Beasley thing, Like, I understand if people aren't the biggest fan of the guy. Him and McKenzie have been on this team for three years. I don't think 60 minutes mm-hmm. of a very good McKenzie game is going to completely flip the depth chart. And Cole Beasley is one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. Like, you can, again, feel free to hate the guy. That's just what's going on. And, you know, I see – I think people just kind of let their personal feelings on this sometimes uh, just end up in, – end up uh, – infiltrating their fantasy opinion. So- and, I, and I get it. Look, everybody's entitled to that. Like, that's why we, you know, getting to have your own opinion, own opinion, like about this stuff is one of the most fun things about fantasy. Sure, sure. Like we, it's just hard for us to get behind because like, you know, we're staring at the numbers and the data and like trying to weigh probabilities all day long. And so like, once you look at it through that view, I just think it's tough look, to your point, like to take all of this, you know, time we've had and to think, oh, wow, this one game catapults Isaiah McKenzie into this big role. <laughs> it's just not happening. And look, if we had a full list of like, hey, here's all the NFL players that are vaccinated. Here's the ones that are not. That'd be great. Of course, we would try to use that into our analysis. We don't. And that's why, you know, we talked about this in August, Dwayne, when people were fading Kirk Cousins for like not being vaccinated. And Dalvin Cook was out there in the same freaking not vaccinated (laughs) protocols. And nobody ever said a word about it because because one guy was more outspoken about it than the other. So when we don't have all the information on this, be awfully careful, you know, weighing it so much more for some guys versus others. Very good point. Jaguars at the Patriots, New England, 15 and a half point favorites. Game you got the total Jaguars? At 42. I, I got take. some horrendous teams coming up on this one. I'm, the, one, I'm the only one that gets to complain about this today. This one Happy will be years, quick. <laughs> here's, hey, Dwayne, here's a list of quarterbacks with one passing touchdown, exactly one since week nine. Trevor Lawrence, Mason Rudolph, Mike White, Jordan Love, Drew Locke, Tim Boyle, Cooper Rush, Nick Mullins, PJ Walker, Jacoby Brissett, Nick Foles, and Brian Hoyer. I was very disappointed that there weren't any like running backs or wide receivers that have also matched Lawrence's passing output. But man, dude, look at those names. Out of any of those quarterbacks, would anyone like put their neck out on a limb or their reputation and be like, no, this guy's going to be great in a, once their situation gets better? Because that's kind of what we're having to look at with Lawrence. So, I'll, you know, this is not a dynasty podcast. I'll just keep it sweet with, no, of course you're not touching anyone from this offense if you can at all help it. Because during that spam, here's our ceiling. Marvin Jones had a wide receiver 21 finish last week, and Laquan Trebwell was a wide receiver 22 in week 15. If everything goes right, maybe one of these wide receivers who they 
the hell knows which one gets you a low end or wide receiver two performance. Miss me with that. Honestly, I would say that if LaVisca stays out, Tavon Austin probably has the best chance of the group because he's probably the best bet to see a few carries in the absence of James Robinson. So uh, we talked about the Dari Wale situation versus Raquel Armstead at length in our waiver wire pod. Spoiler, don't sign Dari over guys like Boston Scott and Daryl Williams. Seriously, please freaking don't. He's not going to be anything more than an RB3 if Raquel Armstead is out of the picture, which I don't think he is. I think there's a chance that Armstead takes over the backfield. So we don't know, but we do know this Jaguars offense again. 13.25 implied points. That's one of the lowest totals I have seen the entire season. Going into New England, if you do not have a single Jaguars player on your roster, you should consider yourself lucky. Now, Dwayne, what's going on with these running backs? Because that's going to be the big difference maker. So when you kind of break this down, make sure with Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, if he returns from the COVID list, we keep in mind, you know, what the ceiling can be if one of these guys is out. Because we know that Brandon Bolden can get that pass down work. But if there was ever going to be a game where we don't have to worry about a negative game script, sure seems like this one. Yeah, I mean, if you look at week seven, Damian Harris minus Ramondre Stevenson, uh, number three finish overall. Week 10, Ramondre Stevenson, number two finish overall with Damian Harris out. Last week, Damian Harris running back four with Ramondre Stevenson out. So you see what the magic, you know, what what the equation is here. If you get one of them out, like it's a must, it's go time, right? So, I mean, we did see. We had the one dud against the Colts. The 53. People. It does happen. And that was Stevenson at a 53 yeah. in week 15 when we had Harris out. But otherwise, like, it, dude, you throw that out. Like if, if we get this thing down to one, you're playing it. Um, right now, Stevenson is still on the COVID-19 list. My guess is he will come off of it, given I think everyone's coming off the COVID-19 yeah. list. But these new rules, yeah. It's, it, yeah, honestly, again, like kind of back to that, like I don't, I don't know what to think about these rules. In one way, it's kind of nice. You know, you can get players back, but we really don't know how healthy they are. People are just pulling them off. So we'll have to wait and see. You have to let it play out for a week. Unfortunately, it's your championship week. So let's just hope that if you have Damian Harris – that Ramondre Stevenson is out because otherwise I've got them both in tier four. I think, you know, it's a great matchup. You're favored by 15 and a half points, implied points of 28 and a half running back strength of schedule, 9.2 out of 10. That is the third, fourth best on the slate run blocking advantage of 86 is in the top three on the slate. And that's elite. Those are all elite. Those are all elite marks across the board. 15 and a half point spread, 29 point, 28.5 implied points, 9.2 running back strength schedule. 86 offensive line run blocking advantage. So like if we had Stevenson out, you would have to rank Damian Harris inside your top 10. Like that's how good it is. So he'll move up the board right now. I've got him at 24. I mean, just because if we look at the games where you've had Harris and Stevenson available, like it just turns really into the Tennessee kind of backfield. You got Brandon Bolden handling all the passing downs. He's the Jeremy McNichols guy. You got Damian Harris is really your Deonta Foreman. And then you got Ramondre Stevenson coming in as Dontrell Hilliard filling in, you know, and kind of spelling both guys a little bit, but mostly Harris. And so they just all cancel each other out. Um, so I have uh, Stevenson at 30, assuming that he's going to play this week. So he's a, he's a guy that you can put in as a flex option, um, and he could come through because the matchup is nice. Like, we could see the Patriots run the ball in 45 times this weekend. Like, we could see them, like, run the ball a ton. Like, they could run 70 plays and 45 of them be running at uh, rushing attempts, given who they're playing with the Jaguars. So you do get the matchup boost this week with both of those guys. So I think they're usable. As far as the receivers go, um, Jacoby Myers, I've got at wide receiver 40, like the matchup. And it, look, it's the Jaguars. Every All the matchups in <laughs> everywhere. Um, but the game script's not going to be really great. So I've got Jacoby outside the top 36. When I get Jacoby in 
into a matchup where we know that the Pats could be forced into passing, those are the weeks where he kind of breaks into the RB3 territory. That's not this week. Could he come through on efficiency? Could he catch two or three touchdowns? It's Jacoby Myers, people. We're not going to catch two <laughs> or three touchdowns. Just making sure everybody's paying attention. Um, Kendrick Bourne, you know, just not on the field enough. He's, he's just de- dependent on a big play. So that's really it. And then Hunter Henry, um, you know, everybody got excited about Hunter Henry um, the week before, Ian, whenever he posted, you know, a top three yeah, tight end Two finish. touchdown Colts game, yeah. Yeah, big game. And then last week, you know, came back and really gave a big, big dud. Um, you know, the matchup is fine. But again, I just don't see the Patriots being forced to use these passing options. So when you've got a run-heavy attack, um, you've got a rookie quarterback. Let's face it, like Bill's still trying to protect Mac Jones as much as we may all like him and as much as people are going nuts over, you know, Mac Jones. I mean, if you look at it, for example, last week, they trailed by four or more points on 86% of the plays and they only dropped back to pass 62% of the time. You know, 62% of the time, that's a lot. Remember, these are dropbacks, not pass attempts. They can be the sacks, scrambles. 62% is not a high number when you're trailing 86% of the game. A normal number in that situation is like 75%. So it's 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 well below the league average across the board in most in most game script situations. They want to run the ball. That is the Patriots' identity, and that's really where you should focus your fantasy assets this weekend if you're using any Patriots. Yeah, Mac Jones has been the best rookie quarterback, but the bar has been so low that I think we've kind of maybe hyped him up a little bit too much. As we always talk about here, I don't think one stat, any stat totally encapsulates a player that's why we like to use multiple stats and i went ahead and took the ranks from all the rookie quarterbacks and pff passing grade yards per attempt adjusted completion rate and qb rating for those that don't know adjusted completion rate includes throwaways drops it just helps give you a more pure measure of completion rate and with all those in mind 48 qualified quarterbacks mac jones comes out as 21st so yeah that's better than trey lance at 28 davis mills at 31st justin fields 36, Trevor Lawrence at 40th, and Zach Wilson at 42nd. But I think the big moral of the story is this class of rookie quarterbacks really hasn't done too much so far. So let's make sure that we keep expectations in check for their teammates. Raiders at the Colts in the six and a half point favorites, game total 44 and a half. Oh boy, the Raiders, Dwayne, look at me. They have scored more than 17 points once since losing Henry Ruggs. That's been the state of this offense. It's so annoying too, man, because like I've, I'll do these quarterback charts, you know, big time throw rate versus turnover worthy play rate. I was looking at the most uh, accurate passers, even like based on average target depth. And I see, oh, there's Joe Burrow. Like that's the guy I was trying to show is like still really accurate while throwing the ball down the field. And there's also Derek car next to him now to repeatedly explain that like yes Derek Carr was a legit top 10 quarterback in the first seven eight weeks of the year we just have not seen that guy really in months so without Brian Edwards last week on the COVID list you know okay great now they had to feature Deshaun Jackson right nope they did not things called Tyron Johnson and Dylan Stoner got reps instead apologies to Tyron Johnson I'm well aware he was on the Chargers last year but you guys get the point to see DJX have just a 52% snap rate in a week without Brian Edwards it's just painful to see and you know any hopes of him eventually emerging as a true boomer bust option is not going to cut it. Hunter Renfro, 58% snaps. Zay Jones, 75%. So, you know, the Renfro wide receiver one era, I think has maybe passed us by here a little bit. Wide receiver 58 and wide receiver 29 over the past two weeks. So I think, you know, I'm not saying that we need to completely forget about him as a fantasy asset, but it's also a situation where I think that if you don't have him in your top 24, you know, I'm not going to freaking shoot you over it. So <laughs> passing game, just try to, you had to get dark. 
I know we made it we made it a good like 20 25 minutes before bringing a gun into the conversation and you know also not helping this passing game as Dwayne just wrote out on our handy dandy show sheet here Darren Waller on the COVID list uh Dwayne we were talking before the show if we had heard any news about Waller there it is he's out probably who knows if he's even healthy enough to play without it I can't imagine that they're going to rush him back at this point so Foster Moreau you know he let everyone down two straight weeks after Waller got out but he has turned in two top 10 finishes over the past two weeks not saying he's a top 10 tight end you know this is a matchup where even if the Colts tight end defense isn't the best in the world I still think that again Raiders offense one game over 17 points in about two months of action. I don't want anything to do with them if I can help it, but I do think Foster Moreau is still a solid top 12, top 14 option at the position. And finally, really the only guy in this offense that you should be starting and feeling even somewhat good about is Josh Jacobs. Might not be pretty, but guess what? Style points don't matter in fantasy. He's been an RB2 or better in all but one game since the Wait Raiders week eight bye. If you just look at our raw PFF projections for total touches, he is one of only 12 running backs expecting to see at least 18 touches this week so yeah Colts top six defense against the run but Dwayne this is where it goes over to you if Carson Wentz is out of the picture which we'll see Frank Reich's already said if he's able to clear the COVID protocol he'll be starting there if it ends up being Sam Ellinger under center man I know Jonathan Taylor's a god I know Raiders got some linebackers out but there is a chance the Raiders get to play with some positive game scripts so whenever we have a running back like Jacobs any running back that can see 20 touches in pretty much any game script it's you're going to have a hard time getting them out of you know your top 12 to 15 running back so maybe you're incredibly blessed i hope you are and if it is between two top 15 running backs like yeah take the one that's not on the raiders offense but just realize jacobs is getting a true rb1 level workload so Dwayne, overall thoughts on if we can trust anyone in this colts offense other than jonathan taylor with the limited carson wentz or god forbid sam ellinger under center no, I think it, we can keep this one short and sweet. You know, Taylor's still going to be my number one overall back. You know, the positives are you got Quentin Nelson um, coming back. He was activated today from the reserve COVID list. Um, some of the other offensive linemen look like they'll be back. So we should be in better shape as far as the offensive line goes. I mean, and it was impressive that Taylor was able to put up 100 yards last week, right? I know he didn't come through with the score, even in a situation where most of the offensive line was missing for the Colts. So here, here's the positive. The positive is Carson Woods hasn't had to throw very much, like over the last however many weeks. Like, let me just pull it up real quick. Like, so I think they're going to be able to protect Ellinger, but I think it will be a situation, and not that teams aren't already doing this, but where the Raiders will be able to sell out everything, Ian, to stop the run. But listen to some of these dropback rates over the last several weeks for Carson Wentz. Week 11, they dropped back to pass 35% of the plays, ran the ball on 65%. Week 12, when they fell behind, they actually did pass the ball 74%, but you get to week 13, dropped back to pass 35%, ran the ball 65%. These numbers are absurd. Like these are old school Ravens, old, old, old school Seattle Seahawks when Pete Carroll first got there. Um, some years that we've seen with the 49ers when they were ground and pound with Colin uh, Kaepernick. Like I'll tell you, here's the best way to think about it. These are very rare numbers to see when you don't also have a running quarterback. To yeah. see this with just mainly a running back and a quarterback that doesn't run is pretty insane. Um, so, and then in week 15, they dropped back to pass 27% of the plays. They ran the ball 73% of the time. Last week, they ran the ball 46% of the time. So it's not like they've really been throwing the ball anyway. They've basically said, all right, let's see if you guys can stop us. And if you can't, well, 
guess what? We're just going to keep running it. So I think that will be the recipe for the Colts. Then it'll be a matter of the Raiders having to stop it early in the game. And if they can't, then they're just going to get, it's It's going to, it eventually just like hemorrhages and turns into this really bad thing at the end of the game where Jonathan Taylor is just running wild. So, who, I mean, Jonathan Taylor can run wild from the first play of the game, but you folks get my point. So Jonathan Taylor, it's not enough with Wentz being out for me to downgrade him any at all, really, because I think it's more about Taylor and the offensive line. It's one of the rare offenses in the NFL where I think it's more about that than it actually is, you know, the quarterback. And not to say Wentz is bad. They just haven't had to have him do much, Ian. Like they just, you know, haven't needed to. So that's going to be their hope is that they don't need to have Sam Ellinger do much if Wentz can't play. There's still a chance that Wentz could be activated on Sunday morning and make this contest and actually be able to be under center. So we'll have to wait and see. Now, what I will say, you can't touch Michael Pittman Jr. in my opinion this week. I'll make sure he's outside my top 36, um, especially if Ellinger's playing. Like it's already been, it's already been a mess. Like he is the main target there, but when you run the ball as much as those numbers I just gave you, yeah. basically like, I mean, it's, it's a game script situation. Like you need the Colts to fall behind for Pittman to give you a shot. Um, Mo Alley Cox could be the lead tight end this weekend with the Jack Doyle injury. But again, you just heard those numbers. I don't think the Colts, the Colts are going to pass as little as possible. So even with Doyle out, I don't see right now. I've got Mo Alley Cox at 19 in my ranks. And again, I haven't tightened these all the way down, but I don't see him climbing up past maybe 16. Okay. Let's say like Vince McMahon buys the NFL and he decides to 15 minutes for the game. He's like, all right, I'm going to let a random fan play quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts today. You're not going to have Wentz. You're not going to have Ellinger. You can, you can use Wildcat, but you're not going to have your usual quarterbacks. Would you rank Jonathan Taylor outside the top 12? Uh, if you just had well, I think, no quarterback. <laughs> I think that scenario would be a tad different. Just because, <laughs> but it, like, it would be tough Like because I think you would all out. That's what I'm blip. saying. It would be tough. You, it, really you would, would. it would be rough. It would be tough. That's what's funny. You're right. But it would be an all out. It would be, I would rank him outside then just because it would be all out run blitz every play. Ellinger, at least we know can, can, he can throw a forward pass. Like he can throw the ball down the field. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Oh my God. I, I want that scenario to happen one day. Maybe I'll get it going on Madden just to see, just see what's what. Buccaneers at the Let's Jets. get ready to rumble at the middle of the field and like with a lotto system and everybody's going, God, not me, not me, not me. But you can't come in the stadium unless you sign the waiver that you're going to oh have to play quarterback God. if your name is drawn. That'd be a nightmare, actually. I thought it'd be fun for a second, but now that we're talking through it, I don't know. All right. Buccaneers at the Jets, Tampa Bay, 13 point favorites, game total of 43 and a half. It's just wild to me. Tom Brady, we know he's still incredible, but number one in passing yards, number one in passing touchdowns, number one in PFF passing grade on the year. I know Aaron Rodgers right now is the odds-on favorite for MVP, but I think if Brady can end this year hot, I don't think the mainstream media are the biggest fans of Aaron Rodgers this year. I would not be shocked if TB12 goes ahead and scoots up that award. I know that he would break his own record for the oldest winner. I think there's a lot of storylines going that direction. So if you're, Rodgers just Rodgers just announced today that he's he's still not against retiring this offseason. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Here we go. He's already starting here, it. Here comes another freaking offseason of this mess. So, I don't know, man. If you're a gambling man or woman out there, you like those MVP odds, I think these are the best ones you're going to see for Brady because in this matchup, man, I don't know how they aren't going to go. Nuclear, when you got someone like Antonio Brown playing as well as he is. I mean, on the year, wide receiver five in PPR points per game, and this is a bottom 10 defense in yards per attempt, explosive pass play rate and QB rating allowed to wide receivers. Like, he just really took Stephon Gilmore to school. Like, 
like all game last week. I know he got a groin injury towards the end, but to come back off the, you know, off the knee injury, off the suspension, all the BS, 15 targets and the catch 10 them for over 100 yards. I mean, it just goes to show you that AB, he, he, he looks like he did pre-2019, man. So similar to some of these other guys we talked about, not saying you guys need to be the biggest fan of AB, the person, but the football player looks as good as freaking ever. And Brady is being sure to feed him all that he can handle. Nobody has been targeted on a higher percentage of their routes than Antonio Brown this season at 30 two percent he's a top five wide receiver Dwayne if I get a single start sit question with Antonio Brown in it I'm probably gonna say some spiteful shit back to you so just be ready for that and start Antonio Brown and also start Ronald freaking Jones Dwayne I think you called out Sunday night Rojo back in the top six why the hell not league worst defense and PPR points per game allowed to allowed to the position Right now, PFF only projecting five running backs for at least 20 touches. Najee Harris, Sony Michelle, Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, and Ronald Jones. We have 20 touches. Again, we talked about Jonathan Taylor with 20 touches from a fan and how he'd probably still be, you know, at least a top 20 or so guy. We have Ronald Jones with 20 plus touches from Tom freaking Brady in the league's second best uh, scoring offense. Get him into all of those fantasy lineups. And the same thing goes for Sony Michelle, who's on that list as well. Final note, because we can't trust these other receivers at the moment. Tyler Johnson was a starting slot, but he was still under 60% snaps, wasn't even targeted last week. And, you know, as our coworker Sam Monson has brought up, a lot of times, man, this weird shit kind of happens in this offense, and it does seem to be Tyler Johnson's fault a lot. He, like, motioned at the wrong time last week, and Brady had to stop him. A.B. got blown up yeah, on the screen. Weird. He, just, he just held him. He just literally put his yes. hand out. And Tyler Johnson's like, what? And he's just like, basically, just don't move. Hang on. Hang on. Wait for it. Okay, go. <laughs> like, he snaps the ball. Sam was explaining this to me on the PFF show that morning, and then he just sends me a video of that play, like, after it happened. And I was like, yes, I, I now know exactly what you're talking about. Hey, uh, real quick. So- on the box too yeah. just with having Mike Evans out having Chris Godwin out last week was really the first game Ian where we've seen them just you know decide they're going to run the ball like so before earlier in the season so last week they they didn't trail by four or more points ever in the game they led by four or more on 84 percent of the play so if you look at the games earlier this season where they led by four or more at least 70 percent like here's the pass rates 67 percent 67 percent 56 percent 57 68 67 so pretty much it's like high 60s high 50s last week um same scenario they only threw the ball they only dropped back to pass 52 percent of the time um so they did actually decide that they wanted to run the ball and we saw a lot more 13 personnel the most of the season um last or sorry 12 personnel they ran 12 personnel 57 percent of the snaps last week the previous high on the year had been uh, 23 percent or sorry 29 percent which was week one but like the previous weeks you had seen 20 percent 19 percent six percent 15 percent so the 12 personnel using the two tight ends and then running the ball more could be part of the equation for the next couple of weeks for the Bucks as they get healthy. And it's good that they run the ball more because I don't know what to make of these wide receivers behind Antonio Brown. You said it, Goblin, Evans, out of the picture. So last week, just talked about Tyler Johnson. So the actual number two out wide was Cyril Grayson. But we got to remember, this was with Scotty Miller only playing three total snaps for whatever reason. That could feasibly increase. And Brashad Perryman, as well as Jalen Darden, were on the COVID list. Perryman has already been activated. So, you know, Girl Scout shows up at our door and says, which freaking Tampa Bay wide receiver other than AB are you putting your trust in otherwise you know <laughs> you guys know um, I would go for Sean Perryman in that scenario <laughs> I would much rather not be in otherwise, that scenario though. you know 
and just yeah. focus on <laughs> AB, Rojo, and Rob Gronkowski, who is my tight end three on the week behind only Kelsey and Andrews. If we end up seeing Jimmy G play, I'll probably bump Kittle ahead of Gronk again. But right now, he's Tom Brady's number two receiver. Uh, I just think that's too valuable of a role to be fading in fantasy land. So, Dwayne. I had a couple bad teams. Now you got the Jets, man. So we can talk some Michael Carter goodness. And uh, other than that, you know, do your thing. Yeah. So, I mean, just with the Jets, I mean, there's really only two players, um, you know, to cover Carter being one of them. Um, he's really back to that utilization, you know, kind of marker of where he was in week seven and eight, whenever he had um, finishes of seven and one and week five, he was the running back 24. Uh, week 10, running back 13. So I think, you know, the upside, he was running back 17 last week, right? So I think he's in that mid RB2 normally. It's not a great matchup, though, this week. You know, you get the box, the 4.8 running back strength of schedule. They only give up 21.1 points per game to opposing running backs. So I've got him just outside the top 24, but it's really a tier thing, right? It starts with Javonta Williams, um, who gets the Chargers, right? It's just a great matchup for, for Javonta, and let's he's been a great player. Then you get, then I got Zeke, then I got DeAndre Swift, then I got Damian Harris, then I got Saquon, then I got Carter, then I got Kareem Hunt. So it's really a big tier with a lot of similar players, but I've got them below a tier, um, you know, that's got, you know, just some of the players that I think are in just better matchups and have a better chance to lead their backfields. Um, so Carter, yes, took over more of a of an every down role, but you still have Tevin Coleman just being enough of a pain in the ass that if this game goes sideways. And it's a script issue where there's just like only 15 rushing attempts to go around. And if you don't get Zach Wilson checking the ball down to Carter, which he doesn't always do, well, then that's going to be a problem, right, for Carter. So it's just that's really the thing, man, game. just that that check down point. We talked about the rates, but I actually grabbed the totals and they're even more alarming. Seven, seven freaking games with a fully healthy Zach Wilson. Marco Carter has 19 targets, three yeah. extended appearances with Mike White, 26 targets. Yeah, so it's just it's a it's a it's a philosophical difference in the way that Mike White and the way Zach Wilson approach football. <laughs> you know, that's a nice uh, way of saying it. Yeah, so I mean, it's and one is good. You know, for the for the running backs, one you know, like Mike White's more on the spectrum of Alex Smith, right? You know, um, you know, whenever we look at Wilson, he really wants to be more of that gunslinger, push it down the field kind of guy. And so the only other player to talk about here is really, so you, you got Crowder, who's going to be questionable again, did not practice today. Keelan Cole's been out there, but he hasn't been able to do anything. Um, Denzel Mims is just, you know, hoping he can play 50% of the routes. Um, all the tight ends all have COVID as of right now. Um, so, and not the tight, tight ends have been any good, but we could get Elijah Moore back this week. We'll have to keep an eye on it. He's still on the IR, but he could be activated. Uh, what I read earlier today, I don't know if you've seen anything else, Ian. So he had he's got COVID, but really he was he was obviously on IR for the quad injury, and I heard he is 50-50 to play. So if Elijah Moore does suit up, um, and we hear that the COVID thing wasn't an issue and he's able to do his conditioning and everything this week and he's good to go, well then I think you know he can enter the right he can enter that wide receiver three conversation. Um, you know, it's it's a tough matchup against you know the Bucks. Um, it's not terrible, but they've been better, a little bit better here as of late. Um, so if it was a normal Elijah Moore, like it just been healthy this whole time, like he would be in the wide receiver twos. But I'm going to put him just outside of that if he plays this week. And so just trying to get more information, it's going to be tough. I don't know that we'll get anything concrete on really, you know, where he's at, other than if we see that he gets a couple of full practices in, which guess what? We won't know because they don't have to activate him off the IR. That's what sucks about these guys that are on the short-term IR. They don't have to tell us anything about them unless the beat reporter happens to tell us something. 
He is coming back from a quad injury too. It's it is not like an upper body yeah. thing like yeah, AJB and you know, this Buccaneers defense is starting to round the form. Maybe, you know, they beat the crap out of the Panthers and, and they, they have some issues too. Like one of their cornerbacks yeah. went on uh COVID okay. list fair. yesterday. I think it was Jamel Dean. These freaking I can't keep track of all this COVID shit. Uh, dude, I know. Uh, it's it's killing me. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I would, again, just general rule of thumb with these players on bad offenses. You know, tiebreaker, go with the better squad. But, yes, we did see Elijah Moore do some great things. Any love Yeah, I mean, for- just so, like, so folks remember, yeah. like, I'm, I mean, we I wouldn't even bring this up if it was, like, Kadarius Tony, right? We're talking about Elijah Moore, who posted from week 7 through week 13, PPR finishes of 36, 26, <laughs> 1, 27, 3, 40, and 8. So you get those Ball. three top 10s. That's why you're even willing to consider it. Like, if he had just been in the 25 range that whole time, it just wouldn't even be a conversation. But that that one finish, the number three, and the number eight, like, that's heady stuff. If Crowder stays out, if Elijah Moore stays out, is Braxton Berrios in your top 40? He'll be in my top 50. Um, I was looking at him actually earlier. Like, he's, he just hasn't been able to, to break away from that. Um, like, they just need to get him out there a little bit more. He did handle most of the the slot work. Man, I like him. I really like Berrios. It's I funny saw his kick return Tuddy last week. Well, he had a touch. He had a return for a touchdown. That's why it was a nice kick return touchdown. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, it was great. So little, it was great. So little burst. Yeah. No, he's got some burst. It's funny. As soon as I tweeted, it, you know, something about him, like he needs more playing time. Everybody's like New England. I'm like, you guys realize, like, that's where he started. Right? Was New England. That was his. That was his first roster. Oh my uh, gosh. So, anyway. Dude, this yeah, the whole Jets thing, man. Crowder like first playing over Elijah Moore, even after they made like their only good offensive contributor over the past few years, take a pay cut to even stay on the team, and now we got you know Braxton Barrios maybe deserving more touches as well. Screw that entire wide receiver room except for you, Elijah Moore. Eagles at the football team, Philly three and a half point favorites. Game total at forty six. Jalen Hurts last week. What did he finish with, like, five yards rushing? He did not give us anything on the ground. Still managed to return a QB 13 finish. You know, not quite chalking up the QB 1 goodness we've hoped for, but not a bad floor. And, yeah, two carries for just seven yards in that one. Now he gets a Washington defense that last time they met. Eight carries, 38 yards, pair of touchdowns from the goal line. How we threw for 296 yards on just 26 attempts as well. So if you guys caught even, you know, Five minutes of that Cowboys-Washington game. I think you can see this football team defense isn't in the best place right now. Jalen Hurts starting him with all the confidence in the world. Same cannot be said for Devontae Smith. I get it. He was sick. I would love to see him, you know, in a pass-happy version of his offense. God forbid, you know. And I think Hurts has earned, like, more time there. But for some reason, if we got, like, Deshaun Watson or, like, a true pass-first quarterback in this offense, like Devontae Smith would be a weekly upside wide receiver, too. But look. It's just opportunity. He had seven targets last week. That was the first time he had more than six in a game since week seven. So, yeah, it's an easy matchup. Bottom three defense and PPR points per game allowed to wide receivers. I mean, that didn't stop Smith from going for 40 scoreless yards against them in week 15. So, he can turn it around. But, like, this is just, in this offense, like, one of Devontae Smith or Dallas Goddard will probably have a good game because they're very good players. But the other one is going to have a tough time because there just is only one ball to go around inside the league's most run heavy offense so yeah goddard seven catches 135 yards against them a few weeks ago dudded with 28 scoreless yards last week as Devonte goes off so 
unless Washington can really force this Eagles offense to put their foot on the gas, man, which really only the Giants have been able to do that for the better part of the last two months. Um, yeah, man, I just don't exactly see both Devontae and Goddard doing a ton here. So not the worst guys to have in your flex. And Goddard's still a low-end tight end one. Uh, just something to keep in mind when an offense is this run heavy. But that is good news for one Boston Scott, who Dwayne and I talked all about on the waiver wire pod. Quick refresher, though, with Miles Sanders out with the broken hand and Jordan Howard also banged up with the stinger boston scott 45 percent snaps 44 31 not great in weeks 8 through 10 without sanders in the picture but he was able to get 12 carries 10 carries then 11 carries and two receptions in those games so obviously you know liking this spot as a three and a half point favorite against this bad defense Dwayne, if we have sanders out we gotta see that practice report i'm not it sounds like howard has a decent enough chance of playing let's say howard plays where do you think him and scott fall kind of in that upside rb3 territory top 30 but not top 24 yeah i i mean i have scott as a low-end rb2 right now assuming that howard plays okay. and then i've got howard as uh my rb29 right now so that's fair to widen it a little bit yeah they're okay. like there's they're eight spots apart right in my rank so I've, i do have boston scott at the bottom of the tier above jordan howard and the reason why is like boston scott is just a more complete player in my opinion like he's healthier he, so he, he's healthier. He can handle passing downs. He's, we've seen him handle carries inside the five. We know they're going to rotate guys no matter what. Even if Howard's out, they're going to give run. They're going to give run to Gainwell. So it's tough to get like you know even even if Jordan Howard's out, like I'm not going to push Scott way up, but he'll probably climb to like 14 or 15 in my ranks if Jordan Howard's out. Um, just because dude, it's the matchup. <laughs> they should they should destroy Washington. I know it's this three and a half point line seems really. I was surprised flimsy. it was that low. Yeah. You yeah. Know. I feel yeah, like every seems, time I say this, I'm wrong on this podcast, but who knows? Well, you know, it's at Washington. So typically, you know, on a neutral thing, it's like a three point favorite for the home team. So it's almost really, I try to look at this. It's almost like, you know, Vegas has given them, you know, in a way six and a half because it's discounting, you know, the fact that it is a home game for Washington and they're still making Philly favored, you okay. know, so. Um, but yeah, if if you have Howard out, I think Boston Scott creeps inside the 15. If we know that Howard's playing, you know, you got him in the low 20s. On the other side of things. I said him. low 20s. I meant low RB2. So like between 20 and 24. Makes sense to me. On the other side of things. This point, man, it's Antonio Gibson. And that's really the only guy we can treat with any level of confidence in this offense. What Taylor Heineke has done to Terry McLaurin will not be forgotten anytime <laughs> soon. That's all I'm going to say. So, Dwayne, what are your expectations here for Antonio Gibson with J.D. McKissick on IR and thus done for the season? Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting. If you look at the last several weeks, um, you know, with Gibson – um, 68%, 78%, you know, the snaps. And then last week, you know, they really limited him. So I think this turf toe thing, you know, he was a game time decision. He didn't practice all week. Um, so I think we got to keep an eye on that. Let's see what they say about it. And remember he battled turf toe at the end of the year last year. He said this year it feels different, you know, whatever that means. Um, so with Gibson, I think you're going to see a little bit more of a rotation. And then if the game gets out of hand, like you could see him rest him. So I just don't think, like before I was like, wow, you got to have him like in your top 10 pretty much every week, any week, you know, that McKissick's out like this week, I've got him at 14 right now. 
And again, these aren't completely like done, but I think he's in my tier three. So like with Daryl Williams and Corderell Patterson, Josh Jacobs, Rashad Penny, I've got him with all those guys. I don't have him in the tier above where you have the true every down backs like David Montgomery, Sony Michelle, Devin Singletary, Najee Harris. Like he should belong in that tier, but because of this injury and last week what we saw, he played 37% of the snaps last week. Jarrett Patterson, 25%. Jonathan Williams played 40%. Rushing attempts, he handled 30%. Patterson, 45%. Jonathan Williams, 15%. So he handled half of the two-minute offense. Jonathan Williams handled half the two-minute offense. So they're kind of creating a rotation right now. I do think it's driven by the injury to his toes. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. If if there's no issues with the toe this week and he's all of a sudden, and I, I don't think this will be the case, I guarantee you he's listed. But if he's not and he's full practice all week, well, then I'll bump him up a little bit. Moving right along. Giants at Bears. What a matchup. Chicago, six-point favorites, game total, 37.5. I believe that's the lowest I've seen all season long. PFFs, bottom two graded quarterbacks in Week 16 among 37 qualified players, Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm. This passing attack has not cleared even 200 yards in a game since Week 8. And remember, this is January and in Chicago. That's basically what we're working with here. Good God, stay away. Sounded like, Dwayne, you got Barkley around that 24, 25 spot. At this point, man, just rest him, please. He's not practicing on Wednesday with an ankle injury. Get him out of here, and we can hate ourselves and fire up Booker as a volume-based low-end RB2 as well. But the way things are split right now, it's brutal, man. Like, okay, I would bet the over on touches at 15 for Barkley, you know, if that Girl Scout shows up again. But I don't want to be in that situation, dude, because the way Booker is involved now and more as a receiver, it is just brutal. And, like, you can watch these games. I get it. Saquon doesn't look the same. We've talked about him and Booker being far too difficult to tell apart. But, like, we're also getting Barkley, you know, thrown a little swing pass and literally all three of his receivers in front of him missing their blocks and just giving him absolutely no chance to get free. It's it's it's, it's, it's been a team effort to be this bad. So yeah, close start decisions with Barkley, Tony, anyone in this offense, please, for the love of God, pick the other guy. I was hoping that Tony could maybe you know, probably not even be a wide receiver three, but at least be like a throw up in your mouth flex play or something like that. But now he's not practicing with a shoulder injury. And after I looked more at the snaps from last week, we still had Kenny Galladay and Darius Slayton as the full-time receivers. Tony coming in more as a situational slot that, yeah, they fed him the ball, nine targets. Didn't work for much because they're the freaking Giants. So again, all these factors going up against them. A Bears defense that, you know, hasn't exactly quit yet. They haven't had the best performances without Khalil Mack, but we have still seen them. Notably, that Vikings game hold up relatively strong. Yeah, just avoid the squad, please. Just don't do it. Now, Dwayne, with the Bears, we got one guy, and his name is David Montgomery. Um, it does sound like Allen Robinson will be back this week, but he said that you know he doesn't even feel back to his normal self coming back from the COVID as well. So talk about Montgomery and maybe our Darnell Moonies and Cole Komets of the world and how we're feeling. And again, a freaking matchup with a game total of 37 and a half. I can't believe how bad uh, this so is. So gross. Um, but it should equal a lot of touches for Montgomery. I mean, look, Montgomery is an every down back. Like he's as every down as every down gets. I said that last week. Like he's out there in the passing downs. He's out there in the short down and distance. They love to check the ball down to him. Like when they need 20 points, they like to just check it down to David Montgomery all the way down the field and take like a five minute drive. So it's really awesome if you're a fantasy player for David Montgomery. It doesn't look good for Bears fans. But if you're a fantasy player, you like David Montgomery. He doesn't look particularly special with the ball in his hands. He doesn't look bad. Like he looks like, you know, an average NFL running back. He, he's got some lateral agility, not like a real great burst or anything like, you know, to, to break a bunch of 
long runs, but you know, he, he's a decent running back and he's getting the volume. And that's the main thing you get the game against the giants. So I've got him inside the top 11. It's a 6.8 out of 10 on the running back strength of schedule. They're favored by six points. So I think it's just a spot where, you know, you're going to get the volume for Montgomery, for Montgomery, as, as Ian says. Um, as far as the rest of the Bears go, um, we should see Justin Fields back um, this week. So we'll have to wait and see for sure. But that would be my guess. So right now I've got him at QB 14, um, really just based on the fact that, you know, he scrambles a lot. <laughs> you know, so we, when we get a quarterback that will scramble between 10 and 20 percent of their dropbacks, like that's a good thing. And let's be fair, like Fields has really been when he's the biggest thing is he just hasn't been able to consistently stay on the field here recently. But we just don't forget the the stretch of games where we saw him play um, from week eight through week 15 in the five games he played. I'm going to I'm going to exclude week 11 because he got knocked out of that game. But week eight, QB three, week nine, QB nine, week 14, QB eight, week 15, QB 10. So he's he's basically either a high end QB two, low end QB one, depending on you know what way you want to slice that. If you like the rushing quarterbacks, well, he's a low end QB one. If you care less about that and care more about matchups, well, he's a high end QB two. So it's really going to be your call. But I think Fields is someone that we can use. Um, Darnell Mooney, a little bit of a disappointment. Ian, we did see you know we got another game. Um, where we didn't have Allen Robinson, which in the past, that's really been key for Mooney. So if you look at the games where you haven't had Robinson, he's had finishes of 4, 15, 43, 23. And then last week, he bounced back up 240. But it was Nick Foles under center, not Justin Fields, not Andy Dalton. So a little bit of a curveball there. So I've got Mooney at wide receiver 29 this week. Uh, four out of 10 on the wide receiver strength of schedule. It's basically a neutral matchup as far as uh, wide receiver points allowed by the Giants in a PPR format, 35.3. And again, they just may not need to throw that much. Like, and I, the Bears are a team that if they don't have to throw, they won't. Um, I mean, Matt Nagy wants to shell up like a turtle, like as soon as possible. Like if that, if that can happen in a game, he's very willing to make it to make that his game plan. So I just don't expect, uh, you know, them to really keep the foot on the accelerator. And I don't expect the Giants to force them to in the passing game. So I think that's the thing you got to worry about. The matchup's fine. It's just how much do they really need to throw the ball to beat the Giants? Chiefs at the Bengals. KC five-point favorites. Game total of 49 and a half. Yeah, Tyreek screwed us last week. Just 42% of the offensive snaps. And Patrick Mahomes has come out and said that Tyreek was, quote-unquote, exhausted out there. He was just trying to do what he could to contribute. Remember, Tyreek didn't get to practice all week long. You would like to think that he'll be closer to the full version of himself after having a full next week to recover. And we have Travis Kelsey off the list. And he'll also have an entire week of practice to hopefully ramp up to the best of his capabilities. I get, Dwayne, what we were talking about before. Like, if you have guys in the tier, you're dropping them down. There's no way possible that we can consider benching Hill or Kelsey because we think they could nope. be limited because of COVID. So we're not going to do that. So It's one assuming- of those things, Ian, where if they go off on your bench, can can you really stand it if you bench Tyreek Hill or Kelsey? I think I would they- quit my job. I, I really do. <laughs> I don't think I could look myself in the mirror and like tell if yes. someone's like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I'm a P- I'm a fantasy analyst for PFF. You would be I, dialing the Girl Scout up is what you would be doing. Right. Tell her to I, come over to the door. And anyway, we'll leave it there. 
So just realized Tyreek burned us, but it was on only a 42% snap rate, basically splitting stuff with Miko Hardman, and that helped Byron Pringle with a team-high 80% snaps go off for those two tutties, but we've seen this all year long, man. Pringle, Robinson, Miko, yeah, they're on the Chiefs offense. If Mahomes has a good day, any one of them could score. You can throw Josh Gordon in that group too. Marcus Kemp, we've seen weirder things happen, but it usually is just a Tyreek and Travis Kelsey show. Try to avoid these other auxiliary pieces as much as possible. Bigger story is with the running back room once again check out that waiver pod for all your top weekly waiver wire information but with Clyde Edwards Lair not practicing with the collarbone injury it does look like Daryl Williams is set up to be the RB1 he's had five spot starts this season played at least 54% of the snaps in all five games he was over 60 uh, in three of them and man the touches are smooth 24 8 19, 22, and also 20 with a lot of that coming through the air. Like Clyde Edwards-Alaire cannot buy more than three targets in a game. Daryl gets that like each and every time he's out there. So the finishes were solid, man. PPR, RB7, 33, 16, 28, and overall RB1 when he had, you know, that 101-yard receiving game where he's out there mossing dudes in the freaking end zone uh, for some reason. So against the Bengals, man, like, okay, I get it. It's not the biggest smash spot in the world. I think they're actually second-ranked defense in your before contact allowed per carry but other than Cowboys Cardinals this is our second highest game total of the week expecting a shootout and like that's the problem sometimes with the Bengals and with the Chiefs just getting an opposite an opponent that can actually keep up on the scoreboard and force them to bring out the best of themselves so Tyreek Kelsey obviously Mahomes we're starting all these guys without seconds hesitation and I think the same pretty much goes for Daryl Williams uh Dwayne so I Pure top 12 RB, maybe not, but I think we'd really be hard-pressed this week to rank more than 14, 15 guys ahead of him. What say you? Yeah, for sure. I've got him at 15. There we go. So, Loving um, that adds up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and I've got him just below Antonio Gibson. Like, if Gibson is a DNP all week again, like, I'm moving Gibson down. Like, yeah. Daryl Williams will move ahead of him. Daryl I mean, It's 8.7 running back strength of schedule out of 10, and it's a 95, the number one on the slate in offensive line run blocking advantage. Gotta love that. Now, how about the Bengals, Dwayne? Coming off one of the best offense performances of the season. Now, it was against a bunch of JVers on the Baltimore Ravens defense, you know, doing their best out there. Now, they get a Chiefs defense that really, ever since the first five, six weeks of the year, has been one of the league's uh, better overall units. So, still got, you know, some question marks. Rashard Fenton is on the COVID list. You know, some other guys to keep an eye on as well. But, man, we got a lot of options here to fire up with a lot of confidence. Yeah, so I mean, the plus for Burrow is if you look at uh, quarterbacks against man coverage this year, um, he grades as the highest PFF quarterback. Um, so if you at least have 120 dropbacks versus man coverage. And so he is number one on the list with a grade of 90.3. He has 1,370 yards and 15 passing touchdowns against man coverage. What do the Chiefs like to utilize? 35% of the time they run man coverage. Um, 36% over the last six weeks. So they're actually, um, from a man coverage standpoint, that is actually, where did the Chiefs rank? That is the seventh most, or sorry, eighth most in the league. Um, so one of eight teams that are over the 35%, almost 36% mark on utilizing man coverage. And they consistently use it every single week. They're not one of these teams that bounce around. They just, they are what they are. Like their man coverage, 31%, 37%, 34%, 32%, 45%. Like it's always up over 30%. So he's going to get plenty of looks, Burrow. Like it is gonna, it is a good, it is a good defense. Um, quarterback strength of schedule is a 0.7 
out of 10. Not not a 7 out of 10, a 0.7, <laughs> so, so closer to a 0. Um, so that could be problematic. Offensive line pass blocking advantage is minus 34. But, you know, I, I don't care, to be honest. Like it's and Look, I said this a couple weeks ago with Burrow, and he didn't do well if you think about it. And that was against the Broncos who are another heavy man coverage team. They really played well against the Bengals. And, and honestly, like the Bengals, that game, you know, just the way that game script kind of played out, it didn't work out right. But like anytime you get these receivers and you know, they're going to get singled up. Like, I just, I like the idea of it, Ian. I just feel like, you know, you give me T Higgins, you give me Jamar Chase, you even give me Tyler Boyd. Um, and you're going to give me man coverage across the board against these guys, you know, one out of every three plays, maybe more every game. I mean, every play, like I'm down. Like I, I I want all of that that I can get. So I have Burrow still in my top 10 for the week, despite the tough matchup. It is like you mentioned, one of the better matchups on the slate. I expect to see a lot of people using this game um, for DFS purposes, especially after all the double stacks paid off for everyone on the planet last week, you know, with um, the Bengals. Um, just remember, with the Bengals, like it is a game, it is a team that was the first time really all season where we got a true look at the Bengals team we all hoped we would get, which is a pass-heavy team utilizing all of these weapons. Last week they only trailed uh, by three or more by four points or more on 14% of the plays. They led by four or more 72% of the time, and they threw the ball 72% of the plays. Previously in the season, when they've led by that much, they've thrown the ball 44%. They threw the ball 55% and they threw the ball 47%. So whenever they've been able to lead in the past, they've really like clammed up and they've decided just to run the ball. They didn't do that last week. Last week, I don't know if it was like just a matchup thing because Ravens run so much man coverage and they just knew all of their top corners are out. So they're like, oh, you guys are going to keep running man with all these scabs out here. Like we're just going to throw it every play. I kind of think that's what happened. So it'll be interesting like just to see what this offense does this week. But I think Joe Mixon will be plenty involved. Um, I've got him at, Q- at running back five for the week. Um, it's a 7 out of 10 on the running back strength of schedule. They give up 24.2 points in a PPR to opposing running backs. And I have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase both inside my top 10 because you just have to. Like, you can't. You can't not have these two guys inside your top 10, even though the wide receiver strength of schedule is not good. It's a 1.7 out of 10. T. Higgins does have a 70.2 on the wide receiver cornerback matchup rating, which the way our tool works, it basically we look at it and we basically try to assign how often we think T. Higgins is going to see each cornerback, right, from the Chiefs, and then you get a cumulative score based on where Higgins lines up the most, like left, slot, or right, and then how the Chiefs deploy their cornerback. So it's a 70.2. Jamar Chase's is a little tougher. It's a 37.3. So Chase's looks tougher, but again, he's a superhero, Ian. So we don't, I just don't care too much whenever we have superheroes. So fine, like let's push him towards the bottom of Tier 1. He can't be in the middle of Tier 1. Um, that might be the way you have to look at Jamar Chase. This weekend, um, Tyler Lockett, man, has been better. Um, and Lockett, look, huh? Yeah, we Tyler Lockett, God, Tyler <laughs> Boyd, yeah, Tyler Boyd. Um, we finally saw a week where all three of them got to be, you know, inside the top twenty-four. And so it happened. Week sixteen, we, we made it. <laughs> we, we, we got it in there. So um, with Boyd, I've got him more as that low-end uh, wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four. 
it's been great. He's gotten wide receiver nine, wide receiver 17. Like, you know, my, my few remaining best ball squads. Very thankful for that, Tyler. But yeah, man, this came on. He's great. They throw the ball. Good things happen. But that's true for Chase and Higgins. We've seen him be reduced to the clear cut number three option. He's not going to keep ripping off these 60 yard touchdowns every single week. Maybe he does it again. But yeah, you're taking a much bigger chance with Boyd than Higgins or Chase. And you know what, everyone? It's okay to just appreciate Chase and Higgins. They're both studs. Like I see this happen with CD and Cooper. All across the league, man. Yeah, like, I hate every that time we have to pit them against one another all the time. Pollard and Zeke, like people just can't be like, oh, wow, this one NFL team has two players the same position. And guess what, Dwayne? Like they're both pretty damn good. What's funny is people are still ignoring Higgins. They're like, no, no, no. And I'm just like, <laughs> they're both great. Let's just call it what it is. But people have to say, well, Jamar Chase is better. I'm like, okay, well, how much better? Like by like a hair? Like, okay, whatever. Like they're still both top 10 wide receivers. <laughs> I don't think Joe Burrow cares which one's better. I think Joe he's just happy to have them care. both out there. And Burrow, I kind of mentioned this uh, in another game earlier, but truly it, it's been so incredible what he's done this year. So aesthetically pleasing because he's first in adjusted completion rate out of everyone, and he has the league's eighth highest average target depth among 42, 32 qualified quarterbacks. So throwing downfield, and he's doing it more accurately than just about anyone. For people we, saying that we wouldn't see pocket passers anymore, eat your heart out. <laughs> Joey Burrow. Pocket Man. passer, torching Bro, it. Bro, with Burrow and Herbert coming to the league same time, I, I, it's I'm so very funny ex- how quickly like, people like jump ship on stuff. Like we have a couple of bad draft classes, we don't have like we've got more mobile quarterbacks, so that's good. But it, all of a sudden, it means that we're not that the, the day of the pocket passer is over. Like it's just funny, like how quickly everybody wants to assume that this new trend is like the thing that will take over the entire NFL forever. For the end of time, Dwayne, maybe this will be the week that we see something that changes in the next 30 years. Who knows? <laughs> Rams at the Ravens, LAR, three and a half point favorites, game total of 46 and a half. So last week was atrocious. It was like Matt Stafford, you know, being the Scooby Doo villain. You take off the mask and it's just like Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford again. It was brutal. 32nd in PFF passing grade. But the previous three weeks, he was top six. So he, he has kind of had some. Jameis Winston, 2021 Josh Allen to him where he's been really freaking good sometimes and then also awfully bad in some other occasions. But hey, still managed to get that W. Fed Cooper Cup to a big day and Odo Beckham got his fourth score of the year for those keeping count at home. That is more touchdowns than Baker Mayfield has the wide receiver since the Browns decided to part ways with the ex-Giants stud. Now, the big story, though, of course, is Cooper Cup because Stafford, yes, in this spot against this freaking secondary, they will be getting Jimmy Smith and Chris Westry back from the COVID list. But come on, Humphreys, Peters still out of the picture. And with these guys trying to play man coverage against Cup, Beckham and company, good luck with that. So Stafford certainly, you know, in play as a low end QB one. And Cooper Cup, man, let's see him put together the best wide receiver season ever because he has a chance most fantasy points per game in a season over the last 50 years. Number one is Jerry Rice, 1987. He had 26.2. Cooper Cup is at 26.1 right now. If he goes bonkers two more weeks, has a true chance to put forward the most productive season ever from a receiver. Third place, 1995, Jerry Rice. Fourth place, 2020, Devontae Adams. I'm still Team Moss over Rice because I'm an ignorant millennial. But, you know, that's just my personal choice, and you all need to accept that. Anyway... 
Cup wide receiver one, of course. OBJ, Van Jefferson, they're upside wide receiver threes in a great matchup and a great passing game. Exact same rationale we had last week when they were facing the Falcons or Vikings, excuse me, also applies to this. Again, great spot against the Ravens. D that has been shredded by Burrow and Aaron Rodgers over the past two weeks. And then we have Sony Michelle, who, man, can't rank him high enough. Touches in his five starts this year, 23, 27, 20, 20, and 28. Dwayne, I saw the PFF fantasy account like did a quote graphic quote graphic where you were saying start him forget about it don't look at it again yes start Tony Michelle don't look at it again you know if, if you guys want to use that same quote that Dwayne used and just put my name on it instead Do it. that's the, fine the, put the pregnant pause in there before again <laughs> <laughs> exactly I got work on my delivery to uh, you know really get the social me- uh, media man I love how you do your pause when you say man like is is that a hat tip to like the big Lebowski I've always wanted to ask you I don't know, man. Because that's what he does. You know, he'd be like, you know, it's like this thing, man. I do it in my tweets as a tribute to him, but okay. in real life, I don't know. Maybe that's just my. Oh, I think you. I think you have it nailed. Like you got the Jeff Bridges thing going on that. So oh, good job. Thanks. Guys. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Shout out Cam Akers, probably returning. I have no idea how. I'd be shocked if he gets more yeah. than a touch or two, but that's just so awesome. And it's exciting, man. Uh, it, it was funny when I was talking to. Uh, Matt Kelly on this pod, 10 questions a couple weeks ago, he started going so in depth about, you know, why Achilles were going to be reasonable to fix. Now he's actually more concerned when a running back has like a foot injury. I think he was saying like Travis Etienne's issue is more concerning to him than Cam Akers. And I was like, Matt, you're not a doctor. Like, how the hell do you know all this? And he brought up how he had stem cells put into his knee recently. So he's asking, he's like, he said he left the doctor's office and he wasn't thinking about his personal health. He was like, how can I use all this stuff? The doctor just told me to you know go make some dynasty deals and uh, try to get ahead on that so you know we'll monitor cam Akers and stuff it's going to make for some very interesting off-season talk about this rams backfield but for now again all you guys need to know is to start sony michelle in leagues of all shapes and sizes tyler higby touchdown dependent tight end two that doesn't really find the end zone all that often these days so hey all these receivers including tyler higby's who we actually saw last week make a couple catches out wide lined up as a true wide receiver yeah it's like they're playing the ravens I could see it happening. I would still certainly try to, you know, prioritize guys like a Gerald Everett, like, uh, you know, even probably Foster Moreau at this point with no Waller over Tyler Higby. So, Dwayne, the one good thing with the Ravens, seems like Lamar Jackson has a chance of coming back. But even if he doesn't, man, we've seen Tyler Huntley and Josh Johnson keep the ship afloat. Obviously, we want the healthy and best version of Lamar under center. But it's good to see guys like Hollywood, Bateman, the running backs, even if it's not the most consistent production. I mean, we've seen what other offenses look like with the back of quarterbacks. Credit to the Ravens for staying competitive, even with so much going wrong under center. Yeah, I mean, and like throwing the ball, like they're on pace now to throw the ball 14% more than they did last year. Last year, they dropped back to throw 50% of the time. This year, they're sitting at 64%, almost 65% on the season. So a big shift, right, for the Ravens offense this year. Now, some of that was driven by the the injuries early in the season with uh, linemen, running backs. You know, they've had defenders hurt, all sorts of stuff um, has, has helped lead to this kind of tsunami. I don't think we'll see the same thing next year. I think we'll see, I think we know now, 
right? That you can throw the ball more in Baltimore and that they've built their team to do that. That's why they drafted, you know, in the first round, Marquise Brown. Then they've also drafted Rashad Bateman in the first round. You got a high draft pick spent on Mark Andrews. And so it's just a situation where we know they've got the weapons and they have the capability to pass this year. They're just having to. Um, I've got Jackson right now. It does sound like he's going to have a shot to play. It is a tough matchup against LA. Quarterback strength of schedules a 1.1. Offensive line pass blocking advantage back to some of those injuries. A minus 58 versus the LA Rams defensive front. So that's going to be problematic for Jackson. But again, he still has his legs. Seems to you know be fine as far as you know delivering the ball you know 40 times a game. Like it's just you know. He's in a good spot, you know, from that standpoint. We've got a game that should be competitive. We've got a game that both teams really want to win. So I think that's a great thing at this point. Because this slate, man, oh my God, there are some terrible games. We love fantasy football. It's kind of been this way for about three or four weeks now. But when I looked at it, like the first thing you do, I don't know about you, Ian, I look. I'm like, okay, how many 50s do we have? Like, you know, and then you look at the opposite. Like how many many below 40s do we have? You know, and usually like you – a lot of weeks, like 42 will be like your lowest. You know, this week, I think we have two below 40. Um, yeah, we do. We've got the New Orleans Carolina game. You've got the Chicago Giants game are both below 40. So, yeah, it's kind of kind of nasty. So you love to see these games like this where you get the Rams and you get the Ravens. you get the Cowboys and the Cardinals, the Bengals and the Chiefs. Those are really good uh, matchups that we're all looking forward to. So I've got Lamar Jackson inside. My top four, I mean, the big, the superstar, right, of this offense is Mark Andrews. Um, over the last... Seven games here, are his tight end finishes three, five, four, 13, two, two, one. Pretty good, pretty good, right? Um, pretty, he is the good. he's the tight end one on the season right now, not Travis Kelsey. So, Mark Andrews, like, like just balling out, like more route, you know, the routes thing that we saw early in the season, like it all came, you know, to fruition. Like, he's just out there, um, career high rates, seeing career high targets, all this stuff is just it's great for Mark Andrews. So, if you got him, you're firing him up. I don't need to tell you that. I've got him inside my top three this week. Um, I still have Marquise Brown ahead of Rashad Bateman. Um, he's still seeing more of the routes. I know he hasn't come through really in the box score like in a big way in the last several games, but he's still seeing enough targets and they are throwing the ball enough. I mean, if you look at his routes over the last three games, 95%, 94%, 93% targets, 19%, 38%, 24%. So Marquis Brown, like, yeah, these aren't like 10 target games. They're like six and seven target games, but like he's still a game breaker. Like he can, he can catch a ball underneath and still take it to the house. He can beat anyone over the top. Like he's one of these few players like, I don't doubt that it'll just be something we'll look up and be like, oh, wow, there's Marquise Brown, like, you know, back in the top, you know, having a top five week. Like, that's totally in his range of outcomes. And I think some people have just soured on him too much. I think it's fine if you want to push him down your rank some. Um, But this is a player that we know can get loose at any moment. Not a great matchup for him either, though. Wide receiver strength schedule is a 1 out of 10. Wide receiver cornerback matchup is a 7.4 this week. Um, so remember with Brown, though, the big thing is like where he really comes through is against zone coverage. The Rams use a ton of zone coverage. So if you look at Marquise Brown, his targets per route run versus man coverage is only 18 percent. Mark Andrews is 29 percent. When you go to zone coverage, 25 percent targets per route run for Marquise Brown. You're going to see mostly zone coverage this weekend from the Rams. So I think even though it's a tougher matchup, this is the kind of situation that could really be good for Brown could kind of give him an opportunity to, you know, have one of those seven, eight catch days, maybe get you 100 yards and hopefully get you a touchdown. As far as the backs go, 
we already we talked about Freeman a couple times over the last two weeks, so I won't spend much time. But he's basically he's just been downgraded because he's not seeing that sixty to sixty five percent of the work anymore. He's more around you know right at the fifty percent range. And then when you look at the rushing attempts, having to share one with some of Latavius Murray, you got um, you know obviously whichever quarterback is in handling you know twenty to thirty percent of the design rushing attempts, especially you know if it's Lamar Jackson, um, it just takes the top off for Freeman. So I've got him as an RB three this week against the Rams. Real quick, just on that suddenly high Marquise Brown floor we've had really, you know, over the past two months. Most consecutive games, active streaks of five-plus receptions right now. Cooper Cup's gone 19 straight, which is bonkers. Second place is Deontay Johnson all the way down at 10. At eight, we have Marquise Brown and Devontae Adams. Nobody else has a streak longer than four. Yeah. See, people forget, so, man. Like, I, that's a great one. I like that you pulled that. I like you, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> Texans at the 49ers. San Fran, 12.5 point favorites. Game total about 44.5. Already kind of broke down that rookie QB study I did. But yeah, Davis Mills, you have a legit argument to say he's been the second best rookie quarterback this season. Just realize it's still pretty hard to say that he's been a top 30 NFL quarterback in that same stretch. So it's been fun. Let's just not get carried away. Brandon Cooks remains the only viable fantasy option in this passing game. And even then, man, boomer bust wide receiver three. And to your point, Dwayne, tiebreakers I'm not going to pick him coming off the COVID list uh, being on there last week again five offenses this week implied to score 16 or fewer points Jaguars Falcons Panthers Giants and the Texans don't be afraid to fade the pretty much those entire offenses unless we can get a featured running back which was the case with Rex Burkhead but man first time all year a Houston running back finished better than the RB20 and that was against the freaking Chargers not a, who you know usually this lets you run the ball to your heart's desire now we got the San Francisco 49ers number one defense in yards before contact allowed per carry Nick Bosa and company you know a little bit harder to get through I believe Joey was out last week that yes, make my argument. All right, cool. That makes my argument a yeah, lot Joey stronger. Nick, Baby Bear in there. I think that's what they called each other. Big Bear and probably not Baby Bear. That's kind of a weird name for a <laughs> Little Bear. Know. Yeah, I think it was Little Bear. <laughs> Nick Bosa, one of the best defensive ends in the freaking league, being called Baby Bear would just be kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, well, if so. you've seen their dad, like, you know, he, he was like the biggest one. <laughs> Dude, we had, uh, I used to write for um, SB Nation's Ohio State blog, uh, Land Grant, Holy Land, and like Papa Bosa was just always commenting on stuff. Like anyone that said anything remotely, which come on, how it's you'd have to go out of your way to say something wrong about Nick and Joey, but you know, that is a one proud Papa with how those kids have been playing. By those kids, I mean those monsters that would eat me uh, without <laughs> thinking twice. So with awesome. all that said, I am not trying to get Rex Burkhead. Go back to that well. If David Johnson is again, out of the picture okay but look we've seen these 15 touches go to rex burkhead more weeks than not and just lead to an rb3 and rb4 finish i will not be ranking him inside and you don't my mean top overall 20. rb3 rb4 you mean like yes rb3 as in 36 <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, you know, I feel like we've explained it sometimes, but typical 12-man league, RB1, 1 through 12, RB2, you know, 13 through 24, 25 through 36, and so on and so on. So, no, 
Rex Burkett has not had multiple RV3 finishes this year, <laughs> overall speaking. Of That's course. a different simulation that no one's plugged into. <laughs> <laughs> now, doing with the 49ers, it seemed like as of yesterday that Trey Lance was going to be the favorite to start, but now we got Jimmy G opening his big mouth, telling reporters that he definitely thinks he'll have a chance to play Sunday, and he feels, quote-unquote, confident in it happening. So we're either going to have Trey Lance running around like a chicken with his head cut off, you know, doing only good things for Trey Lance, not so much for everyone else, or we're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo banged up with the thumb. It was good to see Elijah Mitchell come back to practice. But, Dwayne, what are you doing with these, you know, the Brandon Ayuk's and George Kittles? Because we know the running backs can get touches. We know Debo Samuel, whether it's rushing or receiving, will get fed the ball. But, like, how do we approach these complimentary guys, again, with either Lance and an even more run-heavy offense than usual against a Texas defense that we're not expecting them to have many problems with, or Jimmy G, but an injured version? Yeah, so for me, I think that what this does, um, or what, the way I've handled it so far, is I've just really pushed Ayuk out of being startable. Not, I, 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 he could be a flex play, right? But he's not inside the top 36. Um, I think there's enough question that if Garoppolo plays and he's hurt, or if we get Trey Lance come out there and play, um, you know, who just didn't look good early in the season as far as throwing the ball, like no, neither one of those situations are great. I don't, I don't see a way to really get off of Debo Samuel, right? Or George Kittle, obviously if you've got those players, you're going to play them, you know, Debo, the positive is, you know, like you talked about, he's, he's, he's been seeing about 20%, you know, of the design rushing attempts, but over the last two weeks, we've really seen his target shares pop again, 22% and 35% for Debo. Um, so I think you're just you're going to play Debo no matter what. I'll still have him probably right at like 11 or 12. Um, I do think that if Trey Lance plays, which I still lean that way. I know what Jimmy G said today. I, I just you know it's a, it's a grade three strain. Um, so I mean we'll have to see. But like man, your thumb is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's not like trying to get through with like your middle finger or your index finger. Like I mean, and those are all hard enough. Or like a pinky. Um, all of them matter, but like your thumb is the only finger on the opposing side of the ball, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, if that's not working right, I just, that's going to be a problem and I don't see how they're going to brace it. I don't think they can brace it. Like, and him still have like, you know, a grip or be able to grip the ball. My guess is he'll be wearing a glove and they'll see what's going to happen. But I still lean to probably Trey Lance playing this week. Um, and if we see that, if you look back at the games where we saw Trey Lance get more playing time, he handled in week five, 44% of the, of the design rushing attempts, like 44%, like, you know, 30% is huge. 44% is astro-freakonomical. Um, so I, I think we would probably plan on seeing Lance get somewhere between 25 and 35%. Don't know we'd see a 44% again, but it is the second most run heavy team in the NFL already. So we would probably see them just get a little bit more run heavy. I think it does hurt the ceiling for Kittle. I think it does hurt the ceiling for Samuel. I think all of their ceilings are hurt this week, period regardless of which quarterback starts. Um, I think the guy that has the most to gain, like based on the way this goes, is if Jimmy G can start, like, and Elijah Mitchell gets to play, I think that's big for Mitchell because, you know, he'll get to handle somewhere between 60 and 70% of the rushing attempts. Um, it's a 9.9 out of 10 running back strength of schedule. Offensive line run block advantage is an 81. Um, implied points, 28.25. 12 and a half point favorites, right? So it should be a game where the 49ers are getting to do what they love to do. Freaking just run the damn ball. <laughs> and so if Elijah Mitchell's back, he's a top six back this week if he plays. Like, And I trust them at this point. He's been out long enough, Ian, that if when he comes back, I'm trusting that he's healthy. 
right? We know Shanahan has had shown a propensity in the past to play injured players. And then we're like, what the fuck? Sorry. No, we're supposed to, we're trying to get better about this. What the hell, dude? Like, why'd you tell us you're going to use this guy? And then it's really like, we can't get anything out of him, or you just, you know, they play the first quarter and then get re-injured. So Mitchell is the one with the most um, to gain. Now I'm not going to fade him too much. If Lance, you know, if we're for sure that Lance is the starter, I, I think he's still a top 10. I just think Lance gets a little bit more. And Lance obviously has a lot to gain. All those numbers I just said, I mean, and then you pair that with, you know, the design rushing attempts Lance is going to see. Like, it could be a 100-yard rushing day. I think – I want to hear your thoughts on it, Ian, because I think folks, like, are getting a little out of hand with it on Twitter. Um, and, and I'm not saying they're wrong. Like, I get I get the thesis, right? We all understand the thesis of, you know, rushing the ball is the cheat code for, for quarterbacks. But Trey Lance looked terrible the last time we saw him throwing a forward pass. Like, it was bad. It was worse than Jalen Hurts. It's, it, it, I don't want to say it was Tebow bad, but it was really, really bad. Now, look, this is a guy coming, you know, uh, from a situation where he hadn't played really a ton of high-level football. So, like, you, you want to give him time to transition. So, I'm not saying Trey Lance can never be good. I just worry, has he improved enough? Look, they don't even use him at all anymore. At the early part of the season, like, oh, let's have some packages for him. They just got rid of all that. They're just like, no, let's just, you know, let's just not have Trey Lance on the field. That's probably really our best option is to not have him out there. And so I've seen some recommendations to basically start him over anyone, like not name Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. But after that, folks saying, yeah, I'm starting him over Aaron Rodgers, starting him over Jalen Hurts, starting him over Tom Brady. I think that's just too, I, I think that's too much. I get the idea of what Lance's upside could be, especially in this matchup against Houston. But Houston has come to play a few times this year against other good teams. And like, I, I think there, I think there is a downside to Lance that you don't have to take on with Aaron Rodgers, right? I think Jalen Hurts has proven it enough times now in another, in a great matchup against Washington. Like, why would I force that? Oops. Almost knocking my mic over. I'm so freaking happy to get in this conversation. Yeah, look, I, I see people saying like, oh, what about Lamar Jackson versus Trey Lance if Lamar comes back? Like, no, we got to go with Lamar here, people. As someone, treat him like Taysom Hill. I think that's basically what it comes down I to. Agree. He is a borderline QB1 that if I have someone like Joe Burrow, like Matthew Stafford, like Aaron Rodgers, a pocket guy that I know is like actually a, gr a good to great NFL quarterback, had to throw the good in there for Stafford. Um, but with th those guys, like, yeah, I'm going to be taking them over Lance. But once we go Lance versus, you know, the Tannehills, the Derek Carrs, even like, I, I think I'd take him over Justin Fields most likely. Yes, so, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I have, here's who I have him. I have him at 12. Okay, so, I think 12 is perfect. Yeah. yeah, so I have him below Brady, Prescott, Burrow, Herbert, Stafford, Hurts. I have him below all of those guys, but above Taysom Hill, above Justin Fields, above Kirk Cousins, above Russ Wilson, all those guys. Yeah, yep. no, I, I think that's perfect. Quarterback 12, Trey Lance. Don't freak out, but yeah, be happy about it. QB 12. I, I think it's kind of back to what you talked about earlier. Like sometimes we just like want to jump to these things so fast, especially with young players, right? Yeah. It's like we want to crown the next thing because, and look, let's face it, we've been grinding a long season. A lot of content content creators have. And so when you get an opportunity to talk, to talk about somebody new like this, especially a rookie that a lot of people were excited about early in the season, I think the natural inclination is like you've got all this bottled up like, you know, energy around this player you're so excited about. And now all of a sudden you're going to get to see him. And I think you just have to be careful to not let that overly, you know, um, you know, just affect your view or weight too heavily. And all the other data points we now have, you know, since before the season started, whenever we liked Trey Lance. 
I know what you're saying, though, about Lance as a passer. I mean, it looked like the guy's never thrown a touch pass in his <laughs> entire life. There was some funky quote that a coach had earlier this year. It was like, this guy can throw like a watermelon through a keyhole or something like that. Maybe that was it. But that's what I think of with Trey Lance. That's not a quote. It is now. I think that's what Trey Lance would try to do uh, if given the opportunity. Enough of that, though. Broncos at the Chargers. Chargers, six and a half point home favorites. Game total of 45 and a half. Your Denver Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater most of the time, Drew Locke last week, under 250 passing yards in every game since week six. I'm going to list off some of these uh, wide receiver finishes since the week 11 bye so we can see what we're working with. Tim Patrick, who's now on the COVID list, wide receiver 67, 87, 74, 19, and 85. Cortland Sutton, 81, 69, 89, 85, and 62. Well, if they're not doing good, Dwayne, it must mean Jerry Judy's balling out. Not so fast, my friend. 71, 27. 50 114 and most recently 51 don't start them can't do it if tim patrick's out of the picture okay but man they're coming from drew lock most likely most likely as much as i appreciate drew lock being an entertainingly bad quarterback sometimes it wasn't last week and i'm pissed at him about that uh yeah please don't be trusting broncos receivers or tight ends for that matter on championship sunday if it was Noah Fant, if it was Albert O, if we could, again, you know, I think I mentioned this before, get a bad Disney movie and combine them to one person every week, tight end one. Unfortunately, we can't make that happen in this short of time. So Fant has barely out-targeted Albert O, 22 to 17, since the team's week 11 bye. Neither guy deserves to be ranked as a top 15 option this week. Truly, do me a favor, find a better tight end here. I mean, last week, man. This was just rough because as much as I would want to say these running backs even like, okay, we got the Chargers. We just saw Rex freaking Burkhead run all over these guys. This should be a great matchup for Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. When it's Drew Locke under center, man, like what was wrong with that Raiders matchup last week? That was a similarly terrible run defense and they couldn't get anything going. It was actually the first time since week six that neither Melvin Gordon nor Javante Williams managed to post a top 24 finish. So I can see it happening. I can see Javante and Melvin establishing it. They ran all over the Chargers in their last matchup. You know, Herbert had a rough time keeping up in that one. Maybe they can get a lead even with Drew Locke under center and just be able to run out the clock in this one. And both guys are doing well. But I just have no confidence in the current state of this overall offense. So Gordon and Williams, they're going to be right where they kind of are every week, man. Right on that RB2 borderline. And I don't think either uh, neither guy is really someone that needs to be jammed into fantasy lineups. Now, if one of them happens to miss time, and you need to start the other one no matter what just doesn't seem like that's going to be the case so running backs okay enough borderline rb2s other than that fade this offense please now Dwayne with the chargers Josh Palmer did some good things for everyone last week, but that was with Jalen Guyton out and Mike Williams out I've seen Guyton already come back we'll see if Mike Williams is able to get back in time but how worried are you about, are you about the Keenan Allen dud and why are you not worried at all yeah I mean look these things happen um, you know, I mean, they it, do. It, it happens. So like Keenan Allen is still like the top target on the chargers. It's like you're, he's in the top 12, but Denver's a, a good defense, you know, um, you know, they're only giving up 31.7 points to opposing wide receivers. Um, that's one of the tougher marks on the slate. Um, you know, I mean, you got Dallas giving or Philly giving up 27.3 against Terry McLaurin. You got Russell Gage facing Buffalo, uh, 25.7, I mean, so it's it's not quite as bad as those, but it, it's rough. But again, it's a pass-first offense. They don't care if they're leading, if they're close, if they're trailing. They want to throw the ball more than they're going to run the ball. Um, and really, that's that's the way their offense is built. Like, they've got a good quarterback. Their running back, like, is a, he's a good running back, but he's really a, an even better receiver. 
out of the backfield. So I think they're going to continue to throw the ball and Keenan Allen's going to continue to be the lead target on the team. And you just roll with it. You know, it doesn't matter what the matchup really looks like. There's, I can't imagine a way to get Keenan Allen on a bench in championship weekend. Like there's just, there's, there's no way you can't do it. Um, as far as the rest of the receivers go, like Mike Williams, like I'm assuming he's going to get to play at this point with the new COVID rules, you know, since all, all we have to do is just trust Mike Williams telling us that he's ready to play football. Um, so I, mean, I guess we're going to see him out there. But look, I mean, the thing with Mike Williams, like it's really interesting. Like what we saw early in the season, I felt like he was my biggest miss. But now since since like week six, like he's had finishes of now he had a knee injury in here, but 73, 79, 46, 45, 10. 50, 20, 39, 46. He's really, he's just a freaking boom bust wide receiver three, like he's always been. Despite having a great quarterback, despite being in an offense that throws the ball more, they don't prioritize him in the passing game. His targets per route run have just dropped over the season. His target share has just dropped dramatically over the season. So Mike Williams is a guy that if you want to find a way to introduce him, you know, to your bench, if most of you probably already have. Um, and I think that's fine. You know, if you're playing in a situation where you've got to start, you know, four receivers, Mike Williams is going to play. If you're playing in a 10-team league um, with two receivers and you don't have to flex receiver, like there's a good chance Mike Williams doesn't need to be in your lineup. And I think that's fine. So he's still going to be in my wide receiver three territory. Not a great matchup, like I said, this week. And re- But it's really more just about Mike Williams hasn't done much. Um, and I think the door is wide open for Josh Palmer, uh, honestly, you know, next year, Ian, to really do nice things. With Palmer, we've seen him um, last week with Williams out, wide receiver 22. Um, Guyton was also out. Uh, wide receiver 15 the week uh, that we had Keenan Allen out. And what was interesting is he played Keenan Allen's role, not Mike Williams. So Josh Palmer, a name to remember for Dynasty. If Mike Williams is active and Jalen Guyton are active, you can't use Josh Palmer this week. Right now, I've got him setting at 56, you know, just to kind of keep him, you know, where I've got my eyes on him. And then I'll move him up or down from there based on where the rest of the news goes. Um, So if Williams were to be out, though, like Palmer would be borderline wide receiver. He would be up there in that wide receiver three conversation. Um, if we if we see Mike Williams out of the game. As far as Austin Eckler, you folks don't need me to tell you, like Austin Eckler's awesome. Justin Jackson playing Austin Eckler was even awesome, was, was awesome. But I expect this to really be mostly Eckler. The one thing I think we could see though now, Ian, um, maybe Justin Jackson is it. Like he is just the next guy with Eckler. Like, do we really need to see Josh Kelly or Larry Roundtree the third? Like I just- I would know. be fine if I never saw Joshua Kelly touch a football ever again. <laughs> It's, it's aggressive. Let's hope he doesn't come on the show next year. You know, you have to treat, give him the Mike Davis treatment. Um, yeah, so uh, with Eckler, got him in the top three this week. I've got Justin Jackson sitting at RB37 um, this week. So, I mean, look, he's, he's an RB3. He's in Tier 5 with names like Foreman, uh, Devonta Freeman, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, Jamal Williams. Like, he's in there with all those guys. So, I'm interested to see how they use Jackson this week. What I'd like to see is, like, you know, 60% Eckler, 40% Jackson. Let's, we don't need the third guy involved. Right. Like, cause I think if you get that, like it could almost be like a Zeke Pollard thing, right? You could get a little mileage out of Jackson. It's late in the season. You know, look, we're, we're playing for fantasy championships this weekend. So it's not like we have a lot of time, but I'm a nerd. And so I'm allowed to be interested in these things. Um, I mean, we saw Eckler and Gordon in 2019. I yeah. mean, even after uh, Gordon came back, I mean, they were great. Now I know Gordon more, pure early down guy compared to Jackson. Right. But yeah, man, if it's just two, they could enable two guys. Yeah, and it's a good enough offense that you could. So, yeah, exactly. so let's see what happens. And I don't even know Jackson's status. My guess is like, 
I can't remember. I feel like they signed, re-signed him to a one-year deal. I can't remember, but you know, we'll keep an eye on it. Like I think, you know, he showed a little something. Like Jackson's always had something to his game. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, as far as the tight ends go, there's really nothing here. Like um, Jared Cook, we've talked about it. Like he just he hasn't been able to string him. One, he's not playing enough. You know, um, he's not he's not even usually out there for seventy percent of the routes. Um, even with Donald Parham out, um, it wasn't enough to really give Jared Cook you know, any kind of a boost. So just a player you're not looking to play. Lions at the Seahawks, Seattle, seven point favorites, even though Adrian Peterson has been put on IR. I'm not sure if they're still in win now. The Seahawks are seven point favorites and I don't even believe it against the Lions. (laughs) But how's that work, man? Like they were in win now mode when they signed AP. So now that he's on IR, is that like, are they in lose now mode? I'm not not exactly sure. Game total. I'll tell you what mode they've been in. Let's run under 50 plays. They've been in that mode all season. (laughs) I don't think anything pisses you off more during the course. I think of the they have like, you know, how, how like, uh, you know, when you see the Patriots all running out of the locker, everybody taps the do your job you yeah. know, sign. When you run out of the Seahawks, it's got like this, you know, less than 50 plays sign. Everybody's got to tap it. Like, yeah, we're all in. Everybody's committed in. I can just see, like, you know, Dwayne, the family, having a nice night, and then all of a sudden starts pulling a laptop. Mr. McFarland's like, Dwayne, don't do it. Don't you pull up those Seattle play charts. <laughs> We're having a good time. You don't want to ruin it. But I, I did have somebody thing. on Twitter ask me when I did the tweet. Look, it's crazy, man. Like they're gonna they're gonna run. Like I just did the Lebowski. It's crazy, man. <laughs> they're gonna run two games less worth of plays than the average NFL offense. Like that's just you can't do this to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. It's not two two full games is it's not humane. Or... It's not humane, <laughs> and it's a major it's a major downer on their fantasy value. Like these guys basically have to play two games less. <laughs> than the average team is it, it should honestly be illegal in continental America as well as <laughs> Puerto Rico. So. It's ridiculous. With Detroit, apparently DeAndre Swift is coming back. He's practicing in full yep. on Wednesday. Here's the thing. One guy I respect in this industry, he works for Fantasy Points. He's been on this podcast, Dr. Edwin Porras at FB Injury Doc. He tweeted this on Christmas Eve. If the Lions haven't tested it, because it was a quote from Dan Campbell last week saying, today will tell a lot. I would tell you the last two days he looked pretty good. He looked even better yesterday. But it's about the contact today, so we'll just kind of assess that and feel how they determine that afterwards. So Evelyn's point was, if the Lions haven't tested out the shoulder with some contact, it's really hard seeing Swift play. And this was last week where he did not play. If he does, I'm worried for a re-aggravation again. So that's kind of the thing, man. It's a shoulder injury. We saw Jamal Williams come back and really split stuff with Craig Reynolds, who wasn't thought to be part of this equation before Jamal originally don't got forget put God on the win. COVID list. That's what I'm saying, man. So I don't like with DeAndre Swift. I just kind of want to treat him almost like you said with Brandon Cooks. I just want to put him low enough so that we're probably not going to be starting him as more than maybe borderline RB2 flex type. I get it. We're going to get to the, you know, you hit a certain point at the running back uh, position. And you're like, all right, you know, I can't really keep moving this guy down the list any further. So I'm not saying I'm going to be ranking 30, 40 guys ahead of DeAndre Swift. But man, any sort of close start sick question, I just think there's so much risk of re-aggravation or the Lions rightfully looking at 
this and saying, hey, we have Jamal, we have Craig Reynolds. What are you doing giving potentially, you know, 20 touches to DeAndre Swift? So we'll see what happens. And let's also remember, it's not like DeAndre Swift this year was some kind of world beater that was just, you know, living on high-end efficiency every game. We were calling him the Jalen Hurts of running backs because every single fourth quarter with the Lions getting killed, they'd just be checking the ball down to him the whole time. So will that still be Swift or could we see Godwin out there doing that? I don't know, man. So like Dwayne, 15, 15 combined carries for targets for Swift. I would take the under. Yeah, I think you have to. I think they're going to keep it a three-way backfield. I, th- I think you're going to see Williams, and I think you'll see Reynolds involved. Yeah. And I think basically, most likely, like you see Swift take over the stuff that Iguabuki is going to leave, You know, which is really was Swift's role before, but now you got three guys involved. The big thing we're hoping is, wow, I hope Craig Reynolds is not a thing come next year because they did sign him to the active roster and he did get a contract for next year. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's going to be rough. So well, let's, let's, let's save that. Let's save that for the offseason. Let's, let's save that. Let's save that. Let's table All right, it. So, like, I probably take both Broncos running backs over him. I would take Scott over him. Definitely Singletary, probably Rashad Penny. I think where I would start to draw a line, like I would start Swift over Burkhead. I'd start Swift over Dari, over um, maybe Saquon at this point. Jesus. Yeah, like I've got... Foreman over Pollard. That's kind of like the range I'm thinking. Yeah, I think you're still going to use Damian Harris over him. Um, Yeah, definitely. Like I think you use Michael Carter. I, I, you know, like I have him in a tier with all these guys. You know, Saquon's in there. Carter's in there. Kareem Hunt could come back this week. He's in there. That's about the range. I don't want to be getting start sick questions like Nick Chubb versus DeAndre Swift. So it's he's not a bad start necessarily, but just realize he's starting more. They could they could totally ride him and use it like it, it's it in the range of outcomes but i'm but i agree with you that i think there's enough doubt that the, the median range that we're probably expecting is a committee like and then there could also be the range where they have him act to me plays a little bit but he's just hardly used at all and he was starting to come on as a rusher before the injury yeah. but i'm not confident in him keeping that momentum going now playing through a potentially painful shoulder issue so just remember this lions we've had a few bright spots here but this is still one of the worst offenses in the league shouldn't be going out of our way to get exposure to anyone other than amon ra st brown doing nothing but balling out amon the wide receiver six st brown because in three of the last four weeks he has finished as exactly the overall ppr wide receiver six 12 targets 12 targets 11 11 this dude's getting fed each and every week and now we know that even if jared goff who is now dealing with a knee injury he's off the covid list but still not 100 even if we get tim boyle under center i still think it's gonna be hard to rank amon ross outside of the top 24 receivers particularly in full ppr scoring Great matchup here. Only the football team and the Saints have allowed more receptions to slot receivers than the Seahawks this season. So the Seahawks, they've actually done a great job like stopping the deep ball generally. I know Cooper Cup got, you know, uh, got loose a couple times um, a few weeks ago, but generally they've graded out really well on passes to at least 20 yards downfield. But you look at them against slot receivers, and I think they've allowed the most receptions in the league to running backs. That's why their defense is so bad against running backs. Like they're not that bad at stopping the run, they just give up all. All these checkdowns and it's kind of like you know when we would play running backs against Dan Quinn the Falcons for all those years 
I think it's a pretty smart um, real-life strategy. Of course you want teams taking the four or five-yard checkdowns to have thrown it to open guys 20, 30 yards downfield. And this is just an instance where we can use that scheme against them. And the fantasy world that we live in, that can get funky sometimes. So slot receivers, receiving running backs have been very successful against the Seahawks. And again, maybe that will be DeAndre Swift, but the only guy right now that we can have any level of confidence in from a volume perspective is Amon Ross St. Brown. So last week... Just without Goff there, man, I wasn't as high in him as I should have been. But now that we've seen that, man, I do plan on answering the majority of start-sit questions. Again, in full PPR with Amon Ross St. Brown if it's close. So, Dwayne, unfortunately, we don't have anyone on Seattle guaranteed volume. Kind of Rashad Penny these days. But, man, if we can't get a boom against the Lions here, I don't even know what we're doing anymore, Russ. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's problematic. Like, I, you know, with Russ, I've got him at 16 this week, even though it's a 7.4 out of 10 on the quarterback strength of schedule. And it, it probably will be a game that comes, even though they're favored by seven. Like, this is a game I just see coming down to the last play, even though it's the Lions and Seahawks. So, um, but with Wilson, man, like I was just doing some research because it's just, you know, it's gotten so bad. Um, but if you go back to week 10 of 2020, when the Rams utilized cover six quarters and cover two on 52% of their plays against Wilson coming into that game, he was averaging 318 yards, three and a half touchdowns per game. Um, the Rams held him to 248 yards and zero touchdowns. And since then Wilson's only averaging 216 yards and one and a half passing touchdowns per Jeez. game. So it's just like the league, you know, has decided we're just not gonna let you throw the ball deep Russ. And what are you going to do? And the Seahawks still haven't figured it out. Like we're talking a year and a half later, like they still haven't figured this out. And so it's, I put it on the coordinator. I put it on the head coach. I put it on Russ though, too. Like, you know, Russ, you know, he's got to own some of this. Um, so I've got him at 16 this week. I've got uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf as, um, you know, they're still in the wide receiver two range, but closer to the bottom. You realize that they still have the boom. I thought maybe we were going to get it last week with Metcalf. Like we were off to a hot start, like right out of the gate. Like I, we all wanted it. We all wanted it, but it just, it just didn't come through. Um, Tyler Lockett, another example, right, Ian, of a player coming back, you know, from COVID. <clears throat> and who knows, like Lockett can put these kind of games up anyway. But I mean, a wide receiver 70 finish after really getting hot from weeks 11 through week 14 and having uh, finishes of 23, 28, 11, and five. And so when you look at Lockett, um, you know, he's a player that, you know, you're still going to get inside your top 24. Um, and hopefully that was just something to do with COVID last week, whenever he fell off and had the wide receiver 70 finish. You mentioned Rashad Penny. Actually, let me just hit the last receiver, which is really at the tight end. Gerald Everett, like has done a really nice, you know, job like over the yeah. last several weeks. Um, I mean, I think he's just, you got to look at him as a low end tight end one at this point. Um, 8.6 tight end strength of schedule, which is going to be top four on the week. It's a 14.1 points uh, given up per game by um, the Lions to opposing tight ends. Um, so he's in, he's in a pretty good spot. Like, you, you know, the volume of the offense is always going to be, you know, an anvil around everybody's neck. Like, it's going to happen. <laughs> but, like, he's doing well enough that, like, you can put him at that low end tight end one, high end tight end two, whichever one, tomato, tomato. Like, you can use him. He's startable. Um, Rashad Penny, though. Like just look, just focusing in on him for a second. Like the utilization last week, you know, was really so solid for Penny. Seventy-one percent of the rushing attempts. So his last three games, he's handled fifty-nine percent, fifty-two percent, and seventy-one percent of the rushing attempts. Alex Collins has been a non-factor despite being available last week. It's really just been Penny and DJ Dallas. So despite the fact that the offensive volume is low, again, if we can just get a backfield down to two players, 
there can be some value. And that's really what's happened for Penny. And so, yeah, there's still some risk here because of, of the, the play issues and just how bad the, the Seahawks offense can be. But at the same time, whenever you look at Penny and what he's been able to do, you know, over, over the last three games, um, he's given you a running back three, a running back 42, and a running back nine finish. His utilization is strong enough to support low-end RB1 down to mid-range RB2. I have him as RB17 this week. The matchup is great, a 9.3 out of 10 running back strength of schedule. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be top three on the week. Ooh. So I think there is a chance for Penny, you know, to really put up some nice numbers this week. So I think mid-range RB2 is a safe rank for him, but I think he has some upside from there. Obviously, carries a little more downside than a lot of other backs that we may, you know, typically talk about in that range just due to the overall Seahawks offense. Now, Dwayne, you said you like to start weeks off and looking to see what games have a over-under starting with a five. This is our other game that starts with a freaking three. Panthers at the Saints, <laughs> New Orleans, seven-point favorites, 38-point game total. Only Giants and the Bears at 37.5 is lower at the moment. So, Matt Rule, man, comparing himself to Jay-Z. That's like the rock bottom we've reached in Carolina. Runs Joe Brady out of town on his day off during a bye week. Like, how do you get fired on your day off, man? We've been talking about this for years. So, now apparently it's Sam Darnold season, back under center, back starting. But I'm sure we still have to worry about Cam Newton as a potential threat near the goal line. I would assume because even when Cam was under center, Rule couldn't, you know, go a day or two without talking about how they would still use P.J. Walker. Maybe P.J. Walker comes back and get gets reps too. I don't know whatever whatever he's doing man they haven't surpassed 250 passing yards in a game since week four you know not so coincidentally that was the last time that dj moore actually finished as a top 20 fantasy wide receiver last three weeks since the bye dj has been wide receiver 31 29 and 44 actually getting outscored in two of those games by robbie anderson who's been the wide receiver six 36 and 42 other than that random wide receiver six game from robbie which you know good job man you got one in there but, like, these are all bad numbers. So, Robbie, DJ, who's better? Who cares? Stay away from this freaking offense, particularly in this, you know, potentially hellacious matchup on the road in the Superdome against the Saints defense that, yeah, I saw against the Dolphins when Ian Book was under center. Just really no chance. But even then, other than Jalen Waddle, wasn't a whole lot going on for that Miami offense. So, in Carolina, I don't even think they have the play-calling structure right now to enable someone in a similar manner as what the Dolphins were able to do with Waddle. So, DJ, Robbie, sure as hell are in the top 24. I'm not putting Robbie in you know, the top 40 still. DJ, I think, is going to be one of those guys where at some point you just need to slide him in the back end of that wide receiver three range. Certainly not someone that needs to be started or that you should want to start at this point in the year. Dwayne, you were saying like Mike Williams was kind of the guy that maybe you had right in the preseason and then you saw the first four or five weeks, you changed your opinion and then he became, you know, turned back into the pumpkin that we kind of thought he was. That's how I was with DJ Moore. Like completely faded this guy throughout the offseason. Felt like a freaking idiot after the first month of the year changed all my priors and and the uh, thing is you had it right for the right reason it was never a thing against dj moore you didn't how many times yeah i spent hours on this podcast just ripping apart sam darnold throughout the summer so (laughs) uh wasn't exactly you know the longest limb to go on but there were some actual weird darnold defenders uh this year so whatever we spent enough words on him with these running backs chuba hubbard ever since christian mccaffrey has gone out rb 29 51 and 80 amir abdullah did sneak in an rb 11 finish in week 15 that was sandwiched between rb 40 and rb 49 duds he could have caught two touchdowns last week but he has sam darnold and cam newton playing quarterback he was uh overthrown on both of them so long way of saying 
Try to not start a single person from this Panthers offense if you cannot all help it. If you are truly desperate, DJ Moore as a boom or more likely bust wide receiver three. Keep in mind the Saints defense will probably be shadowing DJ with Marshawn Lattimore and they're also a top three unit and rushing yards and scores allowed to opposing RBs. Dwayne, we have got some helpful news in the middle of this podcast that Taysom Hill is back under center. Ian Book experience did not go well. They could read him like a book. I'm the two millionth person to make that joke over the past week. And now it's on to you, Dwayne. What are your expectations for Taysom, for Kamara, for the Saints offense? Now that I don't want to say they have a real quarterback under center, but it's at least somewhat closer than what we saw on Monday night. I mean, Taysom, I've got to make we don't spend a lot of time on it. Like, look, we, we know the legs were the cheat code. We just talked about it with Trey Lance. I have these guys all in a tier together. Trey Lance, Taysom Hill, Justin Fields, all together. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Hill can come through for you on the ground. You just have to realize, like, he's a very bad passer. Like, there's not a lot of upside in the passing game for you and Taysom Hill. And if the passing game does not go well, and for whatever reason he doesn't score a rushing touchdown, even though these guys can run a lot, there's a there's a there's the floor is low. Right. Like people get confused. They're like, oh, no, if you run, you got a high floor. You have to be able to do both. There's a reason, you know, like Jalen Hurts, it works because the Eagles freaking run the ball 55 to 60 percent of plays. So it overcomes it overcomes that, you know, potential downside. Right. You know, whenever you look at the way they run their offense and they're able to play from ahead, like really the Saints have just struggled on offense. You know, even though that's the way they want to run, that's the way they want their um, offense to play. Like they just haven't been able to keep drives going. So as bad as Jalen Hurts has been, you know, passing the ball, Taysom Hill has been even worse. And so that's a problem for him. Um, But at the same time, he's got the legs. You know, he can give you a top six finish easily. He does it more times than not. So if you're in a situation like you talked about earlier where it's like, well, I got Taysom Hill or I could go with Russ Wilson or Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr or any of those guys, you're going with Taysom Hill over all those. Where I'm not going to get carried away is I'm not going to start Taysom Hill over – over Brady just because he's missing a weapon, right? I'm not going to start him over Dak Prescott. And we saw why last week Dak woke up, you know, Dak's like, oh, okay, like let's play football. (laughs) Matt Stafford, yes, there's things that are bad, but it's just a better offense. I'm not starting Taysom Hill over Matthew Stafford. Like I'm starting all those guys over him. Um, As far as the running back situation, we don't have to talk about the receivers or tight ends because there's none you should be playing. Right. And if you are, you should immediately look to the waiver wire or just put no one in. Like, and just start, like, just, you know, just take a bold stance and just, like, have just, no one. I, I surprisingly have one thing to mention about this. Not that you should be playing anyone, but Deontay Harris, Deontay his suspension. Harris. Well, yeah. his suspension's over, but he's on the COVID list, so he's yeah. probably not He's not going to be a factor. But I'm reading the end of this Roto World, Roto World blurb, and Harris legally changed his name to Deontay Hardy on Christmas yeah. as a Christmas present to his stepfather, who has been a part of his life for the past 17 years. Should I take a page out of Harris's book, Dwayne, and check out the tits and just become Ian Hardy? You know, it's a, <laughs> it's a question that a lot of people can, are going to be asking. I would now. never take out the tits, personally. But anyway, never, never take out. OK, <laughs> but now back to Alan Kamara. <laughs> no, I'm sure Andrew Erickson's recording a TikTok on this right now. So if you guys want to switch over to his channel, he's probably got this covered. He is the Deontay Harris whisperer. Um, so um, where was I? Kamara. Yeah. So, man. So here's the good news on Kamara. Like last week, 67 uh, percent from a running back perspective, he handled 67% of the receiving snaps versus 33% for Ingram, where we saw it be much more equal the game before. Um, whenever you look at it, you know, from um, a rushing standpoint, it was also better for Kamara. The splits weren't as bad. He actually handled 68% of the rushing attempts, only 21% for Mark Ingram. So from a utilization perspective, like it, it looked better like that. And look, that's a positive, but 
the outcome still was terrible. <laughs> you know, it was so now in the last two games for Kamara, we've had finishes of RB fifty one and RB thirty five. Oh my god! Like what is happening again? So you got a match up against Carolina. It's a seven point five out of ten on the running back strength of schedule. Carolina was kind of tough against the run early in the season. That's really shifted, um, even though they're giving up twenty point six points to opposing. Running backs, it's, a, it's an offense that trails a lot, but can New Orleans get ahead? I don't know. Um, the, the biggest issue here is we just we don't have the upside in the receiving game we used to have for Kamara because they run the ball so much, and the fact that they got a quarterback that wants to scramble, A, and B is not very accurate. So these things are just – they just add up to being bad for, you know, a, a running back that we almost could never fathom. Like, how do you rank this player outside your top five in any week? Now I consistently find myself struggling to find a way to keep Kamara in my top 10. And that's where I'm at this week. Like I've, right now I've got him in the second tier um, with, I've got Elijah Mitchell ahead of him right now. I've got Chase Edmonds, assuming James Conner doesn't play. He's a game time decision. I know we get to that in a minute. Um, I've got him uh, the same tier as Najee Harris, who's getting volume, but no efficiency. Aaron Jones really kind of coming back into play in the Green Bay backfield and then you have your volume backs right david montgomery devin singletary sony michelle so it's like i almost feel like kamara really is chubb above all those guys no no because i'm assuming that hunt's going to play this week so i've got i've got chubb at the top of the next tier or closer to the top of the next tier down so like that's the tier where i have kamara and i think you could make an argument on where to place him anywhere in that tier from six all the way down to below sony michelle being last in that tier so i'm kind of struggling with him a little bit this week but he won't be in my top five for sure yeah i asked that completely looking out for my own fantasy team gotta win <laughs> you know we got we got five shifts we're trying to take down Dwayne. i got chubb kamara mixon damian harris jeff wilson madison to try to sort that one out so i'll probably be in your dms drunkenly yeah the week let's do it bouncing let's off win. players cardinals at the cowboys dallas five and a half point favorites game total 51 and a half i know hasn't been the prettiest you know offense over the past few weeks but this season as a whole from kyler just exactly the progression you would want to see from your franchise quarterback first and big time throw rate 8.4 percent fourth and turnover worthy play rate 2.2 percent dudes making more elite throws than just about anyone while also not making boneheaded mistakes and we did see that continue or i should say return to high-end fantasy value last week with a quarterback six finish i know qb 13 qb 17 before that it's kyler freaking murray people in the highest game total of the week you are starting him even if there is a fire the bigger question is just going to come down to injuries in this backfield because chase Edmonds showed exactly why Dwayne we were hyping him up as a great potential trade candidate and then he got hurt and James Conner did all the things that we were hoping Edmonds did and then Conner was out and Chase Edmonds comes in takes 90% snap rate and just dominates usage so especially having Rondale Moore out of the picture as well there just isn't anyone else really to fill that dump down uh, role in this offense which once again could be awfully uh, you know prolific in a game that has the Cowboys sitting as five and a half point home favorites so James Conner is a game time decision again. Dwayne, I think based on this potential game script, and we'll see with Rondale, but clearly he's not 100% either. I think we got to rank Chase ahead of Conner if both are active. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I mean, coming off the game time decision and then, you know, DMP today, and they've already said he's going to be a game time decision. Honestly, I just hope they don't play Connor this weekend. Me too. Me too. You Fingers know, crossed. Just just let us just let us roll with Chase Edmonds. Um, and I have Connor on some teams that I'm trying to win, like some cash. But um, like I just I, I'm hoping I can just put him on the bench, you know, and just go with another option. 
I have one team with both these dudes on it. So that'd be especially appreciated to uh, get that figured out. So that's why make sure you tune into our Friday afternoon edition of this podcast. We break down all the relevant injuries and we will have, you know, a more thought out explanation for what to do here, hopefully by then, or it's going to be another game time decision and we'll continue to push back this analysis. With the receiving room, we've now had two games without DeAndre Hopkins. Number one target leader, is not Christian Kirk and Zach Ertz with 24 targets. Then it's actually Christian Kirk at 21. Then there's a big drop off. AJ Green and Antoine Wesley both have 11. Chase Edmonds with 10. Nobody else more than three. So Zach Ertz at this point, um, you know, Kyle Pitts, tight end five. I agree there. And we all know the top four. If you wanted to rank Ertz as high as six, though, I think you have an argument for it. He's probably in that tier between your tight end six, your tight end 10 or 11. And again, based on this matchup against the Cowboys defense, he scored a touchdown, had a good enough game against before i mean you're a cowboys fan you know it Ertz has had this defense's number for years i feel like or dallas goddard all those eagles tight ends always seem to do good stuff against the cowboys maybe now that he's wearing red it'll be different but to Ertz's credit man someone that i will definitely take the l on not not, not in terms of his situation i mean i think we saw that nothing good was going to come from him sticking around with philly and splitting things with goddard in a run first offense but i just thought he was washed like he was so bad efficiency wise last year you know was playing through a lot Tight of pain. Tight end is just one of those positions, man, like those veterans that know how to play it and they know especially yeah. how to set up against zone coverage, which is what they face yeah. a lot of inside. Um, it's, you know, they can thrive. They can play a long time. I mean, they have to work to stay healthy. I mean, let's face it, like Gronk isn't what he used to be either. We saw Jason Witten do it for forever, right? <laughs> um, and be effective for a long time. So, I mean, it's one of these things where you don't have to be the athlete you once were at tight end. Yeah, we'd rather see it be that way but these guys you know like he's a first down magnet for Kyler Murray I did a study in July 2020 where I was I basically looked at top 12 performers by position over the past decade and looked at you know the years of experience for each one. So yeah, like running back, wide running back overall majority first four years of their career. Wide mm-hmm. receivers stretched a little bit more to six. You know, tight end and quarterback had their, you know, areas kind of two to four years. You start seeing some guys, but running back and wide receiver dies after like, you know, seven or eight years. Tight end, the highest single year was 10 plus years of experience of having these actual top 12 contributors. Your Antonio Gates, your Jason Wittens of the world. Now your Gronks and these other guys, they can play longer. And the same thing was true with quarterbacks. So just something to keep in mind as we continue to try to hone that analysis and, you know, have less and less whiffs until Dwayne and I just get every single one of our preseason rankings right, hopefully as soon as next year, but we'll see what happens. So yeah, Zach Ertz, you know, definitely a tight end we can feel great about. And, you know, in my opinion, he, even though he hasn't been scoring over the past few weeks, I mean, if you would have to place a wager down on who you think are gonna is going to be the primary red zone target, I would lean towards Ertz. And then with Christian Kirk, if he's not in your top 24, I think you'd be hard-pressed to leave him too far out of it. Obviously, a winnable matchup here against the Cowboys. It's just a matter of how much havoc can Lawrence, Gregory, and Parsons, you know, wreak on this Cardinals this offensive line. This is going to be an awesome so, game. Those three guys chasing down Kyler Murray the whole ooh. game. It's going to be so entertaining. I... I, I just think maybe, man, the, the way the Cowboys are humming and the Cardinals are falling off, the best version of the Cardinals team makes us a great game. I just think we're seeing the best version of the Cowboys team right now. I'm curious if the Cardinals are going to be able to keep up or not, but this is easily a game. The Cardinals game have of the to make week. their stand like at some point. They have to say we're not yeah. completely backing into the playoffs. Like, And this, exactly. is the, this is the spot to do it. 
Huge game, huge game. So on the Cowboys, 56 big ones last week. We had a pump block in there. We had Demarcus Lawrence pick six, not all on the offense, but I kept looking up waiting to see if Leon Lett was going to be running down the field and have the ball swiped out of his hand. We were just we were just recording our Sunday pod, and the game was over. But like we were got done mid second quarter, I was like, oh okay, this one's over. Because as you said, man. Dak woke up and he sure did in a big way. Yeah. So with the Cowboys, yeah, Dak really bounced back, you know, with a big game, um, you know, against, uh, you know, Washington on Monday night. Washington was obviously depleted, but like this is the game that the Cowboys really needed. They just needed to come out and really like be dominant. And that's what they were. Prescott, you know, he was pulled by the fourth quarter. But if you look at, you know, what he was able to do, you know, before then, like spreading the ball around to all the different offensive weapons that we didn't have anybody really blow up for the Cowboys. It was uh, mainly Dalton Schultz and Amari Cooper, but it was just good really to see Prescott, you know, get to firing back again on all cylinders, handling uh, 300, sorry, 39 dropbacks, 28 completions, 330 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, three big time throws, one turnover worthy play, which was big because he had had several turnover worthy plays in the two games before typically on the bootleg where he was rolling out trying to find Dalton Schultz and would have a linebacker right underneath that, tipping it up for a pick. So he didn't have any of those in the game. So with Prescott, like this is a great spot. You know, I'm looking forward to this game. You know, it's going to be, uh, it's a must win game really for both teams. Like the Cardinals have got to stop the bleeding. Um, they've got, you know, playoff seating on the line. The, the Cowboys have playoff seating on the line. They're in second right now, um, but they have the same record as the Cardinals. So this win goes a long way. Um, Green Bay obviously sitting up there at the top with that one seed right now, but Dallas wanting to keep the pressure on. And so we've just got a good spot really here with a game that matters to both teams. As far as the running game goes, man, it's just, um, I know Zeke came through for folks last week in, and we still like the Cowboys offense, but it's just, you know, the utilization is still not there for Elliott. Um, looking at his snap, 64%, 62-58. Not bad, not bad. But, you know, he has not had 100 all-purpose yards since week six, Ian. Like, it's really bad. He's come through with touchdowns in the last two games, which has really saved folks. So it's helped him, you know, have two top 12 back-to-back finishes. He's running back six right now on the year. So, like, obviously, like Zeke, you know, he has some good things going. He's in a good offense. He did say today that he thinks he's the healthiest that he's been in multiple weeks. And he's ready to go for the playoffs. So I think of Zeke, though, really still still more as like this high-end RB2 to mid-range RB2, um, you know, at, 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 the, at best. But like this week, just looking at the slate and looking at all the, you know, the different variables, like I've got Zeke right now sitting at 22, Ian. Um, I've got him below Javonta Williams. I've got him below Nick Chubb, below Josh Jacobs, below Rashad Penny, Cordell Patterson, Daryl Williams. I have all those guys ahead of Zeke. And it's mostly a utilization thing. So like last week, you know, they got they let you know Zeke sit late in the game. So only had 35% of the rushing attempts. But it's just a situation where, again, not being able to break the 100 yards uh, all purpose in multiple weeks. Like it's not like Zeke's giving you these these big plays or giving you the upside of big plays. You are literally getting like, oh, Zeke gets a touch. Let me get a point for that touch. And you're not getting much more like than that. So it's still problematic, in my opinion, for Elliott. Let's see. He could get healthy and really, you know, challenge down the stretch. Tony Pollard. Still in his normal role, so I think you can use him as a as a as an RB three this week. The Cardinals running back strength is set schedules below average. It's a four point eight out of ten. But Dallas's offensive line, 
is getting healthier, um, we could we could see a situation um, where it's really honestly the healthiest that it's been in probably five, six, seven weeks now. Um, so if we get that, I think that'll be a good thing for them. But right now it's created an, an offensive line run blocking advantage of 75. So I've got Pollard again as an RB3. And then the receivers, man, like this is what we needed. We just needed the game where you know, we weren't stuck down around 200, 250 yards passing. And so there's still, it's still going to be tough though. When you've got four weapons um, that you've got to feed, there's going to always be someone that's going to, you know, potentially be left out. And if you look at it last week, you know, Lamb um, only at 13% of the targets finishes wide receiver 44. And if you look at it, Ian, like it's a little concerning. I'll get your thoughts on it. Like, you know, CD Lamb, we love him. We know the talent is there, but like the thing we did worry about earlier in the year, before like Gallup got hurt right out of the gate and made it a non-factor, you know, with his calf injury, you know, Lamb's finishes here, um, 30, 27, 44 over the last three weeks, really since we've had Gallup fully back in the picture. And it's not that Gallup's coming up with these big games. He's been a, a finishes a 45, 58, 61, you know, Mari Cooper's had a 22 and 89 and a nine. So it's really just been a, it's more of it just being spread out across all of these guys. Whereas Dalton Schultz, you know, he's been over the last two weeks, the tight end four and the tight end two. So with the Cowboys, like you're going to start them, you're going to play them. Like you've got to use them. Um, but just know that it can be a situation where one of these guys can be the odd one left. I say you've got to use them. You don't have to use Gallup. I think the players that are really tough to get on your bench, no matter what, are Lamb, Cooper and Schultz. Yeah, and, you know, I've listed the teams implied for 16 or fewer points. I think the same can be said on the other side of things where you should, in tiebreakers, be going with the guys on the better offenses. This week we have seven offenses implied for 27 or more points. The Packers, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Patriots, Buccaneers, and the Bills. We talk a little bit about Trey Lance, Jimmy G, but generally, guys from those offenses, we are feeling good. Vikings at the Packers, Green Bay six and a half point favorites, game total at 47 and a half. Unfortunately, Adam Thielen done for the season with an ankle. Believe it is broken. So hopefully Thielen gets back to full health. The dude just keeps scoring touchdowns. Maybe he'll keep playing until he's like 50, just scoring one after another red zone threat for days. But this does mean KJ Osborne is back in the upside wide receiver three conversation. And Dwayne, I, I just saw your tweet, man. Didn't even look this up for myself. So hope you're right. But in four games with Thielen, I the sideline or limited by an in-game injury Osborne has posted wide receiver 21 17 64 and 15 finishes so firmly in that wide receiver three discussion and in this game man like there aren't really many that we could see shooting out in a major way Again, we have Cardinals-Cowboys first, Chiefs-Bengals next, and after that, it is Vikings-Packers in terms of the highest game totals of the week. Those are the only ones above 47 points. So we will see Jair Alexander back in the picture for Green Bay, but he's not the shadowing type. They basically stopped doing that, I believe it was week six or so last year. Weren't doing it this year in the first month of the year. Maybe they make an exception for Justin Jefferson, but I have a hard time believing they do that in the first week back from injury for Alexander. And even if they do, man, it doesn't matter because all these shadow things like it's really fun on social media but at least in terms of fantasy I think you're better off ignoring it because the amount of people I saw talking about Jalen Ramsey shutting down Justin Jefferson 
Like, what are we doing here, man? Okay, he had three catches for 24 yards in Ramsey's coverage. How is that Jefferson's problem that Ramsey wouldn't follow him around the rest of the field? Like, so the eight catches for 116 yards on the afternoon, like, we're just going to ignore that because it didn't come against Ramsey. The Vikings can only line up Jefferson against Ramsey because, like, that needs to prove something out there. It's on the cornerback to follow the receiver, man. So I know it's not always fair to them. We see the pick routes, and it's probably not even worth it for defense to be doing these things. But just spare me this whole idea that Ramsey locked up Jefferson just like what they should do, man, have Ramsey guard number one receiver for the first snap every game and just really try hard in that snap to take him away and don't do it the rest of the game. Then you can just say he locked him up because he didn't do anything on the one snap. So just a little tilting moment I've been going through uh, today as I wrote my wide receiver cornerback uh, column. Happy to get that off my chest to you all. Moral of the story, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver four and PPR points per game behind only Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, and Debo Samuel. You know, he's been locked in as a matchup-proof wide receiver one for a long time. Feeling good about those two in, in the passing game. Now, do need to keep an eye on Tyler Conklin because, Dwayne, the year of hard hits would be complete with a Chris Herndon boom performance in week 17. I don't think it's going to happen. Please, for the love of God. That would be pretty amazing. Please, for the love of God, don't start Chris Herndon in any league that you care about winning. But he would be the next tight end up. It'd probably end up being more of a split usage. I mean, again, running back, that's the position that we can feel the best about. You know, a backup coming in, maybe seeing something resembling the workload. But even with that, as we talked about all year long, and as you as you have all seen, you know, when we try to predict the RB2 become the RB1, things can change in a hurry. And that's that running back, wide receiver, and tight end, much harder to tell. Unless you're the Washington football team who just, you know, would probably give Dwayne 100% snap rate if he was the last guy on their roster. So keep keep an eye on that Tyler Conklin hamstring injury. But yeah, certainly not what we want to see to start the week. And we do have Dalvin back from the COVID list. You guys know what to do. Like if there is one room in the league and one player that we should feel good about coming in, playing through the injury and just getting fed his usual workload, it is Dalvin Cook with the Vikings. Mike Zimmer has just always given him basically full-time, you know, three down, you're back, you're the guy. Look, no further than the freaking shoulder game against the Steelers when he had over 200 yards and we weren't even sure if he was going to play until like 7 p.m. on that Thursday night. So Dalvin back in the starting lineup. If you want to drop him a little bit because of the COVID concerns, that's fine. But, you know, good luck ranking more than 10 or so guys ahead of him. So with that all in mind, Dwayne, we got the Packers and we know the usual suspects, Devontae, Aaron, Rodgers, I bet Aaron Jones and then Aaron Rodgers. I realized that kind of came off a little weird there. But we did have things get shuffled up a little bit with Marquez Baldwin-Scantling back from the COVID list. So beyond the usual suspects, Dwayne, how intrigued are you by MVS and by Alan Lazard against, as we've seen really all year long, an awfully burnable Viking secondary? Yeah, I would be a lot more interested if I knew one of the uh, one of the two was out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because when they're both back, we just don't know. One of them will probably hit. Like now, I mean, your range of outcomes just change, right? You know I mean? There could be the chance they both just cancel each other out. They kind of both do a little something, right? Um, you know, or one of them goes off. Whereas if you've just got one of them, like you just know the floor gets better and you've just got a better shot at it. So because it is so funneled towards really, you know, Devonta Adams. So that's the issue here. So I'll have them both right around probably 50. They'll be close to each other in the ranks. Um, Lazard really is more the slot receiver, right? Valdez Scantling is the guy that's the field stretcher. Um, Lazard did a little bit more of that last week, just because of you know missing Marquez Valdez Scantling. So we'll have to we'll have to see. Like typically in a situation like this, though, if I'm just trying to come through with a big play, I typically lean to 
you know, the player that has the, the better ADOT, the better air yards, which has been Marquis Valdez Scantling. But I think I'll most likely keep Lazard ahead in the ranks this week just because of what we talked about earlier. Like he's coming yeah. back from COVID. So we just don't know for sure what Valdez Scantling is going to look like. So if I had to pick between the two, I would definitely go with Lazard. The matchup, like you mentioned, is good. It's an 8.2 out of 10 on the wide receiver strength of schedule. So 41.4 points allowed per game by Minnesota to opposing wide receivers uh, in a PPR format. So both of them are, you know, um, you're not going to trust them. You don't love them, but like there are several things that set up nicely for them. But I think, like I said, I'm going to lean to Lazard and keep him ahead in the ranks just because he's not coming off of the COVID list. Um, One other note, just on the running backs, we did see for the second consecutive week, uh, we saw Aaron Jones stay in the lead from a snap standpoint. He's had 63% and 56% versus 37% and 44% for A.J. Dillon. Rushing attempts, 57% and 50% versus 30 and 38. Whereas when we saw Jones first come back from the injury, like in week 14, he only had 20% of the rushing attempts. So we really had to downgrade his outlook. But now he's almost back to where he was to begin the season. He's going to handle 50 to 60% of the rushing plays. He's going to handle most of the long down and distance. going to handle all of the two-minute offense. So his routes are hanging around right around 50%. We would prefer C that number around 60 65 percent that's like where the elite guys are Um, but still 50 percent in an offense like green bay where he can still have it funneled to him i like aaron jones this week got him in my top 10 again the 27 implied points help 6.3 on the running back strength of schedule out of 10 Um, so it's just a nice spot and we could be starting to we'll see if we can get you know this packers offensive line healthier like they've been it's amazing they've still been doing all this without back he hasn't even played yet the defense season. too without yeah. uh, Jair and Zadarius, yeah. and they and he's coming back. Like so, he's actually officially been activated. So you're going to see yep. Jair Alexander. So yeah, Green Bay man, they could really just be hitting their stride. So Jones is in my top twelve, but on the other side of that coin, right, where really AJ Dillon had become somebody that we could trust at the top end of the running back three board, or maybe low end RB two, um, kind of more like a Melvin Gordon. Like that's just not the case anymore. He's not seeing that same utilization. So right now, you got to treat him more like that mid range to low end RB three. For AJ Dillon. Put him like one spot ahead of Ramondre Stevenson. I think we can uh, agree on that. Nothing against Ramondre. I just kind of think that's a good spot for him. You know? I think it, it is, is very Vikings. similar. I think you get two backs that are going to see about 35% of the work. <laughs> so It's a great matchup. I mean, Chargers and the Vikings are the only teams in the league where when you run the ball on them, you actually still get a positive EPA per play. So we do need to keep in mind that as bad as that secondary is, front seven without Daniel Hunter has also been awfully rough. Final game of the final Main preview. We'll probably we'll probably preview the games next week, but probably a little more loosey goosey. Not two and a half hours. Just going out on a limb there. Browns at the Steelers. Monday Night Football. Cleveland three point babes. Game total of forty one. So with Baker, just some notes. It, it hasn't even been fluky bad for him, man. You can, if you just want to hang it all on the injuries, that's fine. But he is playing behind our tenth best pass blocking O line and PFF grade, fourth best rushing attack. But you know we do have. PFF grades in certain situations that are far more stable than others. Throwing down field, being under pressure, these are not stable things. These are things we see go real volatile from year to year. So these grades are are supposedly, you know, based on some of the freaking smartest guys we have in the company that have helped do this over the years. These are the ones that we should expect to more better indicate a great quarterback from year to year. I know, for example, Joe Burrow was really good in these things last year despite being in a bad Bengals offense. So Baker Mayfield, passing grade from a clean pocket, he is 23rd among qualified quarterbacks. Standard dropbacks from within the pocket, 26th. On first and second down, 19th. No play action, 35th. 
passes to or beyond the sticks, 30th. Absolutely brutal for everyone involved in this passing game. And there's no receiver that you can feel good about this week. Jarvis Landry has two top 24 finishes on the season, hasn't finished better than wide receiver 17. Donovan People Jones also has two top 24 finishes, and he's the only guy to have a wide receiver one uh, finish out of the duo. The problem is his floor is even lower than Landry. So couldn't pay me to start either Landry or Donovan People Jones if I could help it, man. Try not to. And unfortunately, we can't get behind these tight ends as well. We did see Najoku play 100% of the snaps two weeks ago, but Austin Hooper came back and we saw that go right back to a three tight end committee. And oh, hey, Harrison Bryan happened to be the one that scored a touchdown. I truly believe each of Bryan. Bryant, Najoku, and Hooper. If you just left them alone as the only tight end in this offense, they'd be a weekly tight end one. That's not the case, so we can't touch them in fantasy, which leads us to the only relevant guy here, Nick Chubb, because, man... I don't want to start Kareem Hunt if he's out there, man, because Kevin Stefanski actually already came out and said that even if Hunt had been activated from the COVID list last week, his ankle's still hurt enough that he wouldn't have been able to play. So we need to still keep an eye on this ankle. I think they feel good enough about Dearness Johnson, man, that it could be a situation where maybe they think 100% healthy Dearness Johnson is better than an 80-90% Kareem Hunt. Either way, I don't necessarily see them stopping the full Chubb treatment and just reverting back to what we kind of saw in the first four weeks of the year maybe i'm you know just thinking a little too much into it but they have fed chubb at least 20 touches in four of his five games since returning from injury it hasn't been enough like i really wish they would just take a page out of frank reich's book you know when you and me were bitching at him for like two weeks to feed him more and he did like come on browns what are you guys waiting for yeah we gotta we gotta get stefanski listening to the pod like right right exactly is an avid fan you know he's he's (laughs) he loves us he even listens like to the waiver and DFS pods. Like Reich is all in. Stefanski is not. So, you know, keep that in mind. But yeah, with Nick Chubb, you know, it sounded like Dwayne, you kind of had him in that RB 13, 14 uh, kind of range. If Hunt is going to be back in the picture and ready to go. How would that change for you if Hunt is completely out? Because it. Oh, dude, if Hunt's really, out, if Hunt's out, like, you know, there's well, no. We can't go like top five, though, which sucks because the, it's not like the, that the owners is getting that many touches, but we're still seeing Chubb like sub 70% snaps. And I don't, for the life of me, I yeah, can't but his, but his rushing attempts are up over 70%. So they have very yeah. defined roles. Like, yeah, he gets, he doesn't get to handle the passing down work. It's a problem. But it's also the Browns who are very dedicated to running the ball, even if they're losing. Even if the game is close, yeah. if the game is ahead, they don't care. Like everything is set up off of the run and their quarterbacks suck. So it's just a situation where I think Chubb, you know, even if you get in a game script, that's kind of nasty and it's the Steelers. Like it's not really, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think Chubb's in the top six. Like if Kareem, anytime Kareem hunts out, like Chubb's pretty much on almost auto in my top six, unless he's just got a terrible matchup. You're right. I do laugh every time you say someone sucks. I can't get enough of it. But yes, this this matchup truly is great game script wise. And also just because the fact the Steelers are the league's single worst defense in yards before contact allowed per carry Steelers rushing yards allowed in the second half of the year, starting in week nine, 136, 229, 159, 198, 107, 242, 201, most recently 127 to the Chiefs. So Would not expect the Browns to have too much trouble. Hashtag establishing that run. Again, my main point with the Chubb ranking, you know, it's kind of like with Debo Samuel, like this week. You can put him at wide receiver eight. You can put him at wide receiver 14. You're starting the guy. You're starting Nick Chubb. Hopefully, he breaks a big one, goes and gets you that fantasy ship. Now, Dwayne, Pittsburgh, we got Deontay, we got Najee. And if you want to add anything else, you know, feel free. Yeah, I mean, just a couple of notes, you know, with Najee, you know, looking at him, you know, over this this past 
I don't know, five, six weeks, like the utilization is still there, right? I mean, it's, it's all good, but like all the things we worried about with the Steelers offense early in the season that didn't really hold Najee back too much. Like it's, it's all like, it's all getting in right now, <laughs> you know, I mean, the offensive line play. So, I mean, if you look at Najee's finishes, like, whereas an early in the season, you know, we had a, a top, we had three top six finishes week three, week four, week six, yeah, top eight finish in week two, but since week nine, so starting in week 10, it's been 18, 12, 38, 18. He did get a four, then he's 56 and 13. So he's really more that low end RB one, despite the volume that we're getting. I mean, and, and it's just a challenge because if you look at, all the backs that have at least 150 rushing attempts, you know, on the season, there are 24 such running backs. And if you look at it right now, Chubb has an eight per, I mean, not Chubb, High Harris, Najee Harris has, has a 9% explosive uh, rush rate, which is carries of 10 yards or more um, versus Nick Chubb's at 18%. The guy you love, Jonathan Taylor, 15%, Dalvin Cook, 15%. Like he's just way down towards the bottom. It's better than AJ Dillon at a 6%. Kamara's down there at a 7%, but like just not a lot of explosive plays. Then whenever you look at, and this is where the offensive line comes in to uh, affect. When you look at his point of, a, of attack change, where he has to actually change like the hole that he's originally attacking um, as he's rushing 17%, which is the fifth most in the league. Now, some backs just like to do this because they're very side to side, right? They're lap, like David Montgomery always ranks high in this, like always, yeah. because like he likes to dance. He likes to, he's a very lateral, uh, you know, a laterally focused type like back, right? His first move is quite often like to one side or the other, then forward. Whereas with someone like Chubb, right, it's much more downhill, that sort of thing. But with Harris, 17%. When you look at a stuff rate, you know, so that's where you get tackled for a gain of zero or negative yards, 8%, which is below at, I mean, that's bad actually compared to a lot of the other backs in the league, but yards before contact, like this is the other thing that ties back to the offensive line. So yards before contact 0.91, you know, so, I mean, that's just really bad when you look at all the backs of at least 250 or 150 carries, that's the third worst in the league. So he's not getting any help right now from his offensive line. If you look at his yards after contact, like they're not terrible. Like they're not as good as some of the elite backs, but they're not bad. Um, missed tackles force per attempt, like right there in the middle of the pack. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot of factors going on with Harris right now. And it's overall the offense is really, I think that's a, look, Harris is not the same back that we see with Javante Williams. We know there are other backs, so he's got his own issues. But even with all that said, like if this was just a normal functional offense, like I think we would still see Harris with the utilization he's getting be a top six back. So we'll have to see how things shape out, you know, next year. But right now I've got him as the running back nine for the week. It's a 4.9 out of 10 on the running back strength of schedule. Offensive line run blocking advantage. Not much of one, only an 11, just because of what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, which is one of the worst on the slate for the weekend. Uh, Deontay Johnson, it is a tough matchup. Wide receiver uh, strength of schedule is 2.8 out of 10. But Deontay Johnson doesn't care because he's one of the few <laughs> players in the league that whether it is, you know, targets versus zone, whether it's versus man, doesn't matter. He is the absolute alpha on his team. Like Roethlisberger and he or Simpatico, no matter what's going on. So there's only a few receivers in the league that get that, you know, their targets per route run up over the 28%, 29% mark against both man and zone coverage and Deontay Johnson is one of those man. 
Um, Chase Claypool, um, just one note on him. Like his utilization uh, routes have been really crappy. Had been down below the 60%, well below 70%. This past week he got nearly back to 80%. So maybe he's kind of thawing out, coming out of the doghouse a little bit. But again, we've got a pretty lethargic passing game right now with Ben. He kind of showed a little bit of a spark two or three weeks ago, and it's really fallen off again. And Cleveland's been a tough matchup, like the, like I talked about with Deontay Johnson. So with Claypool, um, this week, I've got him just outside my top 36. So he's more of a you know boom bust wide receiver four at this point of the season. And Fryermuth did practice, so we should see him back from a concussion. Um, the Browns, the Browns have just been a good defense. Period. It's a 0.6 out of 10 tight end strength of schedule. So I've got Fryermuth at the bottom of my tight end ones this week based on the matchup, not 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 on the player. The player's still fine. He deserves to be in the side of the top 12, just not the greatest matchup. I want to try to speak this into existence. What we need is for the Steelers to somehow get a wild card spot, get the Nickelodeon game because it looks terrible on paper, and get blown out, and then we all get to ironically vote Ben Roethlisberger for MVP in his final game as a professional. That it, That's my nirvana, Dwayne, and I can only hope that it comes to fruition. And I just want to say, everyone, I hope that you've enjoyed the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast today and all year. And if you had, I invite you that for a limited time, you can get 50% off a of PFF Elite annual subscription if you use code ELITEUP. All locked article content, betting dashboard, 0-100 grades, player prop tool, all that and more. If you win, Fancy money with it. If you want to just show some appreciation for the pod, this is how a Christmas gift to you to you. Use promo code Alita for 50% off an entire year of PFF Elite. And again, this isn't just giving us money that you're not getting anything for. The idea is that now you'll have so much more tools to use yourself, you can make even more money. You're investing in yourself by using code Alita for 50% off an entire year of PFF Elite. But hey, maybe DraftKings. Maybe DraftKings is your thing. And if it is, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team and win 200 in free bets if they are victorious. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings. King Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Note that you must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit, $1 wage, or one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook details. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. And finally, go submit questions for Chris Collinsworth, whatever you want to ask him. Behind the scenes with Al Michaels, fantasy football questions, whatever. He doesn't care. Just ask him. WestonSouthern.com slash AskChris. And you will now be eligible to win a catering of up to $2,500 coordinated from a restaurant near you that will be delivered on the day of the Super Bowl, February 13, 2022. You can hear those answers on the Chris Collinsworth podcast and on Western Southern's Instagram. Again, submit those at WestonSouthern.com slash AskChris. If you're watching on YouTube. Check out the link in the description below. And remember, Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. We've done it, Dwayne. We're done. Anything else you want to get off your chest? Because I'm freaking, my throat hurts. I'm ready <laughs> no, to drink man. some alcohol. No, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Once you record for two and a half hours, like you're done. That's just, that's just the way the cosmos work. We are done. I have nothing at this second that I want to get off my chest, but who knows the way the NFL is going. So thank you, Dwayne. Everyone can find your utilization report and everything else that you are just known for and handy dandy with on PFF.com. I got tons of cool shit up there too. You guys have heard it before for a few of you still so For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, take care, everybody. Yeah.